You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everybody, to Arsenal Pass. Here we are with our Uprising set review. Both Hayden and I have come back from world premieres. I played in Las Vegas. Hayden was able to play in Sydney, Australia. We both had a bit of success at the world premiere. I went 6-0 on Fi. Hayden also 6-0 on Fi. Does that mean that Fi is the best? I don't know. We'll dig into that. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of... I had a uh, you know, a chance to actually play more sealed on that weekend because my team uh, unfortunately didn't make day two, but was able to open up my box that I won in the world premiere, play a bunch of sealed pools. We played on Sunday night as well, and I got in a couple drafts. So I feel pretty comfortable with the set at this point. Hayden, I know you had a lot of success in sealed, but unfortunately you're playing the top four of your calling um, on your free day, but also was able to get in a draft. Um, and yeah, what do you just quickly, real? let's have a one word answer. What do you think of this limited set? I'm going to get two words. Very interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, let's go ahead and head into the news before we break down the set. Yep, very much. Uh, yeah, limited set review time. No news this week. We're just going to cut straight through to it. But next week, we will be recapping the calling, talking a little bit about, I guess, our experience, a bit more about the world premiere as well. And of course, we'll have pre-release under our belt as well. So we will talk about this limited format more and more. Today is pure set review. Uh, again, no command and cookout this week as well. But if you do want to get your questions in, please get them in either... Drop us a, a question on YouTube. I know we had one last week in the YouTube video. You can email them to us, arsenalpassfab at gmail.com. Tweet at us, DM us, whatever you want to do. If you're on the Discord, drop it in the channel. Um, a big thanks to our patrons. Just want to give a big shout out to everyone. Uh, I met a few patrons over the weekend at the calling. Uh, thank you to all those that support us and, and came up and said hello. And uh, for those, of course, weren't at these events, uh, we'll see you. We'll see you at some point soon. I'm sure of it. Otherwise, Brendan, where are we going? Set review? Is it time? That review, it is time, but we're going to do an ABCD grade here. Maybe some Fs for some particularly bad cards. So the people need to know, Hayden, how do we evaluate these cards? What does it mean if something is an A? What does it mean if it's an F? Yeah, so uh, if you haven't watched one of our limited set reviews before, uh, or you haven't ever watched a limited set review for other games, then uh, I do just want to give you a bit of an overview of, of how we kind of do this. Uh, we, we talk about cycles in general, so we'll cover off cards that, of course, in Flesh and Blood have cycles. So we, we talk about these cycles all as one. Uh, one part is for time. Of course, we could be we'd be doing triple length of the podcast if we didn't. And then the other part of that is that a lot of these cards are really similar in gradings with a few nuances around you know which, which color of the cycle you want, depending or which pitch of the cycle you want, depending on your deck. And uh, we'll talk about kind of the differences in power levels between maybe like the blue resource and the red is your power card. The scale. So we use an ABCD, as Brendan says, with a couple of kind of like subgrades. Um, A is the best of the best. These are the cards that, the ones that are going to be the focal points of your decks in Limited. Uh, you might call these bombs, I guess, in Limited. In a fab context, uh, these are auto-includes. Things that make you want to actively pursue the class. Uh, if they're class-specific, think Refraction Bolters. Or maybe things uh, otherwise like Enlightened Strike, Crippling Crush, Hardened Cross Strap, Drone of Brutality, Soul Reaping, Via the Vanguard awakening these are the kind of cards that are going to be getting a grades um they can not necessarily always just stand alone when you're the game but they're going to do a big job of doing it they could swing turns gain a massive advantage for you uh, help initiate a massive pivot turn or just win you the game potentially uh, they can create huge setup situations so uh bees these are your above average role players and cards that are important to an overall strategy for any given hero or in the form of a generic uh or in the form of a class card these cards could be super efficient, above rate cards, or even cards that can support maximizing your A's, so making your game plan even better. Examples would be Take Flight Red, Warmonger's Recital, Gallantry Gold, Sink Below Red, Snatch, Scar for a Scar, Goliath Gauntlet, Disable Blue, Silver Shot, Plunder Run Red, Turn Timber, 
Bramble Spark and Ball Lightning from the latest set, Tales of Aria. Um, C's, these are your true role players. These will make up most of your deck and support your overall plan. These are these are your bread and butter. They're going to provide good resources, help defensively, or be you know solid attack offensive options um, or support with you know other actions. These cards are things like Ghostly Visit, Smash the Big Tree, Cross the Line, Brandish Red, Come to Fight Red and Blue, um, Sink Below Yellow, Throttle Red from the, the latest set could be something like Shock Striker. Frostfang or Earthlore Surge, uh, particularly in red, and all those are very good, solid role players. And then Ds. Ds are the cards you want to play as little as possible. This is pure filler um, with no real upside. These cards are just going to be making up numbers in your deck. Don't do much. Could just be pure a resource card or just a card that defends for two or three. Um, these sorts of cards would be things like Nimble Strike Blue, uh, Emerging Power Yellow, Blood Spill Invocation Blue, Rejuvenate Blue, Chill to the Bone Yellow. And then, Brendan, finally, we have a couple of, I guess, subgrades here. Setup grade. Uh, we'll give these to cards that require a bit of, you know, you need you need cards around them to make them work. Things like this would be um, Tear Limb from Limb, Moon Wish and Sunkiss in, in the uh, Kano Limited decks of old, Maximum Velocity, Hurricane Technique, Tome of Fiendal, Channel Thunder Step from the latest step, and Embolden, these cards that need other things around them to make them work. And then Cyborg grades, you know, just pure cards that come in for certain matchups. Blinding Beam, Eclipse Existence, Ray of Hope, and Talisman Dowsing, famously from Monarch. Uh, Cold Wave, uh, So Tomorrow Red, Rites of Replenishment from our latest set, Tales of Aria. All right, Brennan, that is, that is the grading system. I'm going to take a quick sip of water. Where are we going next? We're going to go to the stats. So the stats are really important in a set, particularly if you look back at something like Tales of Aria. Um, the average block value of the set is quite low. Uh, it's going to be a lot different from Welcome to Wraith. Like the thing is, is that there's a everybody knows breakpoints in Flesh and Blood, right? You got four, um, potentially seven, upwards and upwards in that sort of interval. But if all the generics block for two and the class cards block for two as well, your breakpoint could be closer to three. So the average defense value of that set is very important. Defense reactions, right? What kind of defense reactions are we dealing with? Attack reactions? Are there any? What should I be worried about? Et cetera, et cetera. And of course, in this set, arcane barrier because there is arcane damage. So Hayden, take us into the stats. Yeah, so really interesting. Average defense value of the set is 2.41 for uh, rare and common slot. And this is non-token, non-equipment cards that we're talking about. So this is way higher than we've seen in the previous two sets. Monarch was 2.24 uh, and Tails was 2.26. So a real move on and, and sort of power level. And a big part of this, uh, we're actually moving closer back towards Welcome to Wraith with this set. And a big part of that is we have less... Uh, less cards with zero defense in this. You think Monarch with like all the brute cards that don't defend. Um, and we just have a lot higher number of like generic, I guess like threes that defend, but then also uh, with Draconic as well, the defend three. So uh, a lot higher uh, sort of depth of cards that do defend for three and then less defend zeros. So looking at 2.41, which is yeah quite high. So just interesting to note as you start to head towards the limited format, what does that mean? My kind of initial takeaway, I'm not sure about yours, Brendan, was that Quite hard to fatigue people in this format. It seemed like, especially with, with fire decks and sealed quite fast, uh, but then even with like Dromai decks or Icelander decks, they had like a high uh, percentage of defend threes, mm -hmm. um, but there's still a lot of damage in the set. Weapons too. Weapons are very important. You know, famously, Arcane Rising, uh, limited, sealed and draft, but mostly sealed. You know, you did see a lot of fatigue decks, so you could just grind people out because they didn't have weapons, right? You could just play more cards, and then sometimes you come out on top. This mm -hmm. set, you know, we got a particularly powerful weapon in Ninja coming in for three, for two resources. Of course, Icelander as well, although it does have some conditional. Oh. And then we go over to Jermai, who has that Karachi 
Kadachi-esque kind of thing going on. But you do have to go ahead and build it. I think in this set, it does seem like fatigue is not a thing. If, we, if fatigue was really going to be an easy strategy, you would have seen it at the world premiere. It is very famous for people to sort of play something called Pile at the world premiere, right? Where they put all their playable cards together just because they want exposure. But also, that strategy can be particularly punishing to people who don't have game plans. And in a world premiere... Nobody does. Um, but at this world premiere, we saw a lot of success with the Fidex. We did see an Icelander and a Jermai as well uh, in the undefeated list at Las Vegas. But needless to say, it looks like currently, at least in Sealed, that Fatigue is not going to be a dominant archetype. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, one cycle of defense reactions in the set. This is a, an Elemental Wizard rare defense reaction cycle. We have three attack reactions, one cycle uh, for Ninja, and then we have two, uh, two Majestics, one in Draconic Ninja and one in just Draconic. And then we have five instants. So we have one Wizard Majestic, one Draconic Majestic, one Illusionist Majestic, so one for each. And then we also have a cycle of Draconic Illusionist uh, common instance and then a cycle of Generic, which we don't talk about that card because that might be one of my favorite cards in the set, but we'll get to that. Last thing, Brandon, before we jump into the set review, getting right into it with our Generics to start with, I uh, want to talk about some keywords because we do have a lot of returning keywords and then we have some new keywords. So we have a lot of returning keywords. You're going to see these, uh, kind of some of the more notable ones, are, of course, Arcane Barrier coming back. Negate from Crucible of War has come back, but that's sitting on Majestic. Um, we've got Phantasm back, of course, from Monarch. Fusion is back from Tales of Aria. And then we have some new uh, keywords. So we've got subtype keywords. We have Affliction, which is the new one that comes in on Auras and basically puts an aura under your opponent's control and then gives them a negative effect. Then we have Invocation, which is, of course, these uh, these flipped cards. These are our dragons. And then we have new ability keywords in Quell uh, and Ward. And Quell is what's going to help you prevent damage. So Quell says, if your hero would be dealt damage, you may pay X to prevent X of that damage. If you do destroy Quell at the beginning of your end phase, of course, you'll see this on all the common uh, equipment or majority of the common equipment with Quell 1. And then Ward, uh, if your hero would be dealt damage, prevent X of that damage and destroy this. Uh, so we have Ward at different values. And then a few new effect keywords, Transform, of course, which is, you know, put X under this, uh, create a Y, put the X under it. So this is our Ash Hate the Ash Wings and our, our Dragons. And then Freeze, which I think is going to be a very important one in this format. Uh, a frozen object cannot be played or activated, and uh, most of the cards that you can see with Freeze are Arsenal and Ally. Mm, Freeze Perfect. actually heavily overperforming, by the way. Particularly the, uh, we'll get into it, but that permanent helm on the field that is an ice helm, like, yeah, being able to temple your opponent's Arsenal, particularly around something like a pivot turn, very, very powerful. I think it was actually underutilized. But Hayden, let's go ahead and head into these generics. Yeah, so I think we're going to do classic style. We're going to one for one it. We'll read the cards as always, and then we'll we'll give our sort of notes and thoughts. Uh, some will take longer than others. Be a bit more discussion, and then of course we will give our grades. We've got to talk about Helios um, Mita first. This is the card that you can add to your your pool. This is the a player may add a Helios Mita to their card pool in uprising limited format. It's a generic equipment head, defense for zero, and says instant pay two resources, prevent the next one damage that we be dealt to your hero this turn by a source of your choice. Destroy Helios Mitre at the beginning of the end phase. The kind of first thing for me, Brennan, is like, I think this is such a cool way. I didn't even know this in the set until I got to the the um, Uprising pre-pre-release, the world premiere, I'm not sure about you, but I think this is such a cool way to give a little bit of balance to a format where you've got, of course, like less, less head uh, cards in general. You don't have, this is the head generic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and with a, something like Icelander in the format and even something where you can actually, you've got Quell as this really strong ability, but then this is kind of like a step down that can still be used on the same turn, um, or instead of maybe using up on your Quell for like a really key breakpoint. So 
I tell you what, I think I used this at Grand Tour Live once in the World Premiere, mm. um, but I used it, I think, a couple more times in my draft deck that I played on the next day. So I have used this card every single time I've played it because not of the damage. Um, so you actually use this on turn zero to often filter if your opponent opts to Arsenal Pass. Um, if you're playing German, you can make some Ash for free. But ultimately, that filter clause is quite good, uh, especially on turn zero. So if your opponent is not attacking you or leaving a card in hand and you want to get that out of hand, that really helps. I think it's actually a great use case for this. Obviously, it can be used to prevent damage as well, but I will go ahead and pop it pretty early in the game in order to guarantee a better, or at least not guarantee, but try to get a better hand on the first turn of the game. Yeah, pitch to red on the first turn if you're in Dramai, you know. Uh, even just, yeah, like set up your hand, right? They're often the classic. This format is really interesting about the play draw because... You know, something like Icelander can push damage on turn one. Uh, Fire can even like potentially push damage on, on turn one. Jeremiah can like set up, you know, maybe a couple of Ash and some Aether Ash Wing. So going second, you need to try and find some advantage sometimes. And, um, you know, with particularly with Jeremiah, one of the things you can do is, like you say, dump into this for some Ash. So this card's super interesting. Look, I think if, you know, uh, this card's going to be in the set. Everyone has access to it. So um, I'm just going to give this card like a solid C uh, to start us off here, I think. This yeah. is, um, yeah, it's good. It's like, it's, it's, Really interesting piece of design, and the fact that everyone starts with it getting advantage out of this, unless you have another headpiece, is going to be a part of the game of Limited. So, I will also give it a C as well for the exact same reason, but you know, it doesn't compete with very much, so it, it, it is going to be relevant in your deck, and you'll probably be playing it a lot. Uh, that being said, we do have another headpiece in particular that I think I already mentioned that uh, it's going to creep up in that grade for me because the effect is much more impactful anyway next here we have quelling road this is a generic equipment chest at common zero defense but it has quell one so it says if your hero would be dealt damage you may pay one resource to prevent one of that damage if you do destroy quelling uh quelling robe at the beginning of your end phase so hayden i don't think this is a piece of armor that i would actually first pick in draft i think there are a few pieces that i would pick highly in the set but you know looking back at something like tales of aria where we had uh cards like deep blue <laughs> potentially to be opened in the pack at generic this doesn't really it, it's not up there for me not quite there that being said it is better than having no armor it is a permanent on the field and quell is definitely extremely relevant particularly in some of these arcane decks if you don't have uh arcane barrier so while this isn't, uh, you know, it isn't an A for me because it is competing with stuff or, you know, it's just a C again. It's just pretty average. I would be happy to have it if I can have it, but I'm not picking it early in draft and I'm not going to particularly miss it if I don't open it in sealed. I, I think Quell is really, really powerful. Uh, like, like really powerful. I was having a discussion. Someone, I was saying to some of my friends at the World Premiere, like how powerful I thought Quell was. Um, and then they said to me, like, what is more impactful? Like Iron Rot, Iron Hide or Quell, like in their respective sets. Um, I think it's close, but I, I think Quell has this, I think we're going to see Quell get better and better as people understand the power of some of the, uh, ways you play on your opponent's turn. Some of the cards like Oasis, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say that Quelling Robe, I think is the weakest of the Quell cards because it competes with what I think are two of the best equipments in the set and, yep. uh, spoiler alert in the, in the chest zone. But I, like you said, you wouldn't take a first pick and draft. I mean, I probably would in a lot of draft picks, uh, where the pack's kind of weaker if I don't want to hedge on something. And I, I'm not upset to have Quelling Robe. Like, I, I want probably one of the other two if I'm respective in Wizard or Draconic. But um, having a Quell card, I think, is never bad because I actually think we'll get into this, but I think the number of blues that I thought you wanted to play in your deck is actually way higher because of Quell and because of things that you can be doing and because of what Icelander wants to do as well. So I'm going to give this a C+. Plus. I think... Um, as I say, I think I would give it higher if it had less competition because I do think Quell is really strong. But because of what it's competing against in that slot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with a C+. Could be a B- for me, though. Mm -hmm. 
All right, next up, Brendan, we have crawling sleeves. So moving through to the exact same text on crawling sleeves as crawling robe. It's a, another common generic equipment, arms this time, defend zero. Um, I think this one uh, competes with the least. So I actually think crawling sleeves is the best of the generic quell cards. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're probably going to end up playing this. So this competing against Heat Wave and then the Ice one, which both are very good effects, uh, but I think not quite as strong as the chess piece. Like I would prioritize the chess piece from the other two respective heroes over those. So yeah, quelling sleeves, I would be more likely to, I guess, first pick, I think if we're, if we're using that kind of metric, mm -hmm. um, quell strong. I think we're going to see how strong quell is. So for this one, I think uh, I'm up in the grades. I'm giving this like a B minus B, I think. Yep, B minus B for me as well for the exact same reason. Um, you know, Heatwave and the the Frost Armor. So the Frost, the Frost piece of equipment, particularly the Icelander, it feels it, it needs other synergy, right? It doesn't feel as good on its own. Um, so that's particularly why Quelling Sleeve rises up for me. Heatwave, obviously good, but it's it doesn't feel like it really. It's just good sometimes, right? When you're able to get those two Phoenix Flames, you know, potentially even three somehow. Uh, but other than that. Uh, yeah, I would put this at a, a B minus B because it's just not competing with too much. So next up, we have the Quelling Slippers. The same thing, but in the foot slot. Um, yeah, Quelling Slippers for me, I think that's going to be... It's going to be a C probably or a C plus. So in Jermai, you're competing with the boots that allow you to play something with Phantasm, um, you know, and pay three and basically get that action point back. Uh, and then in Wizard, I have to remember, I think in Wizard, you're not competing with thing, anything. And then in Ninja, is there anything in Ninja in... Yeah, Ninja has the um, Arcane Barrier. Yes, um, those yeah, those boots. are incredibly good. Yeah. I think that you're going to want to prioritize some of those Arcane Barrier armors. They also have very good effects on them as well. So yeah, Quelling, Quelling Slipper is going to be a C plus slash C for me. Yeah, I was trying to look up. Yeah, I think you're right. There's nothing competing in the, the, the league slot for Wizard. Um, so, you know, this seems really powerful in Icelander, but less so in maybe the other two. I think it's a B minus for me. I think I would go like C plus, B minus B on terms of the three. So I would rate it as this is the middle the arms is the strongest and the chest is the weakest just in terms of literally what they're competing against and what I want in that slot, like best in slot. But again, I think as we're going to go, I'm going to talk more about Quell and uh, where I see kind of the impact of Quell as we go through and talk about some of the cards that Quell works really well with and some of the sort of play patterns. But yeah, it's really interesting. I think me and Brendan have this time not shared notes. So we're coming in with cold on our grades. We don't know what each other's grades are. So so far, uh, pretty close. I'm waiting for some spice to come out though, but yeah, B minus for me there, Brendan. Next up, we're through our generic equipment and we're into our first generic attack action. This is at rare, it's called Flex. Uh, we're looking at the red one here. It's a zero cost, defense for two, attacks for four, and says when you attack or defend with Flex, you may pay two resources. If you do, it gains plus two attack. I really like this card a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think having a resource sync in this game is really important. So. You know, sometimes you draw the double blue, you can't defend with them in a reasonable manner, but you can actually, you know, use two resources to pump up this this attack to a six attack on offense. And then of course, on a defensive turn, you can, you know, phantasm something like a dragon or a phantasm attack uh, and pay the extra two to do so. And then maybe just something like quell one with the other resource if you pitch to blue uh, or play something even like an Oasis Oasis Respite. So um, I'm I'm quite high on Flex. I think this card's really good. I had two red ones in my um, my Fire World Premier deck. Mm. To, be, to be fair, they weren't as good as I thought they were. Um, I thought they were, I was like, oh, this card's like crazy good. I'm always going to be able to sink resources, but the Fire deck I actually found was like quite resource hungry on offense. Um, and I was cutting this card versus Icelander, but I also really like the blue version as well, like a blue that you can then turn into a four attack 
and sink resources into. Like I'm I'm all in for that. So um, I think red is probably like the best, and then blue is slightly behind, and, and yellow is still fine. I'm actually gonna give this card a B minus. I think this is in the B range. I think this card is is good. Yep, I actually gave it a B at red, particularly at red. I think that it's really good, and at blue for the same reason. I, if you can go zero for four, it, it is definitely not bad if you draw one of those blue heavy hands. Uh, but the red also functions as a popper as well, which is quite good. Uh, so this is just a. I think that this card is a card that I'm picking early in draft if I see it. Quite good. Mm -hmm. So next up, <clears throat> speaking of poppers, we have Fendal's Fighting Spirit. This is a generic uh, attack action. It's a three cost, and at red it does seven damage, yellow six, uh, and it defends for two. It's a rare. So it says, when you attack or defend with Fendal's Fighting Spirit, if you have less life than the opposing hero, gain one life. So I think this is one of the, uh, this is pretty much the premier popper, in my opinion. Um, this is the one that you want to get if you can get it, because you can get it in yellow, right? So it can function as a resource card. It does block for two, not three, but two is pretty average for the set. So Fiendal's Fighting Spirit, yellow and above, I'm actually looking at a B. I, uh, I really, really like this card. I had a note, and it was, uh, is this the best generic in the set at common or rare? And then I just thought about it for a while and I thought, no. But someone said that to me. <laughs> someone said to me, do you think this is the best generic in Limited? Um, and I'll I'll talk about why I don't think it is. I actually think Flex is slightly better for me just in terms of the... I think it's really close. I think this is probably like a C plus B minus for me at yellow and red, like you say. I think blue is, has less utility, just doesn't have that popping ability. But that life gain is like really huge. Like life is really important in this format because of all the incidental damage, because of what Icelander can do, uh, because of like break points on, on fire decks and stuff, and obviously what Ashwings can do at the end of a game. If you can gain life sort of here and there, it can be a big, you know, a really big advantage. Plus, like you say, it's a it's a phantasm popper. Um, and it's just a good threat. There's not a lot of just like good meaty threats outside of, of course, you have some of the phantasm attacks and dromai um but then otherwise like you know what else attacks for seven there's there's very few, few things in the set so un unlike something like welcome to wraith where you have a lot of these kind of style of attacks so yeah i, I think i agree with you i think it's pr it's pretty good um but you talked about like the premium popper in the set i think there's one more card we're gonna mm. get to soon that i think might be the the premium popper I'll, I'll I'll come up to a, a B minus. I think it's probably on the level of, of flex, maybe maybe C plus. Yeah, I like the idea of being able to have that popper as a yellow, so as like a functional resource card as well, particularly if I'm not playing something like Fi, or I guess probably playing Icelander. Uh, it mm. just seems, it's really good. You know, it's really good. The three cost is very expensive though, so I think I'd rather be attacking with flex if I could. That's kind of, yeah, my, my issue is actually with the resource costs because I think this set is like super resource restrictive. It's not like some of the other sets where you can um, you can have some floating resources often. And I actually think that's why we're seeing cards like Flex and uh, Brothers in Arms, which we'll talk about soon, these resource sinks, because in other sets, these resource sinks would have been super powerful because you often have these floating resources. In this set, it's a lot harder to have them, I think. Um, so this, because there's just a lot of different things you want to be doing on your turn. So um, in Quell, of course. So yeah, th three cost is a bit restrictive. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to give yellow a B minus, C plus for red, and a C for blue. How about that? Sounds good. Next up is Sift. We have a, another rare, this time a generic action, a non-attack action. It defends for three, costs zero, and we're looking at the red version here. And it says, put up to four cards from your hand on the bottom of your deck, then draw that many cards. Go again at yellow, three cards, blue, two cards uh, from your hand on the bottom, and draw that many cards. So uh, my kind of first question, right, is like, what is this good for, Brennan? So it's good for putting Phoenix Flames on back on the bottom of your deck in case you draw them, I think. <laughs> uh, that's really the use case that I've seen. And obviously you can filter out cards that you know you don't want in your hand, but I feel like that use case is kind of weak. I don't know. I think uh, as a blue that blocks three, I would put that in quite a few of my decks. 
outside of yeah. that use case, maybe I'm missing something, but I'm not a huge fan of this card. Yeah, so in, in previous years, like a blue non-attack action was like kind of premium, something like a Rosetta Thorn, right? That had just natural go again on it. Yeah. The what the where I think this actually does do some work, right, is that it can help you filter high or low resource hands, which I think can be a problem in this set because I think you actually want to play more resources than you think. But also for something like Dramai, you, you want reds, right, to pitch and you want gas cards. And then sometimes you're going to get these clunky hands either with no resources or a lot more resources than you want. Um, but... The red as well can also turn on the go again, right? Because you mm -hmm. play a red card, gets go again. Um, so for for Dromai. So yeah, I, I think this is... Uh, you don't want this card in your deck, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, prove me wrong, but I'm not very excited about this card. I'm going to give it like a D plus though. I don't think it's quite a straight D. I think this does have some utility in red but um, and blue being defend three. But I think, yeah, otherwise it's, it's pretty poor. Yeah, I had C minus only because it's a blue block three. I think in like something like Icelander, it can be okay if you have a fuse heavy deck. There's a card we're going to talk about in Icelander, which I think is absolutely busted, which not a lot of people are not talking about. It does depend on a fuse. Um, so that i might play it for that reason but blue block three is the main reason i'm putting this in my deck i'm not going to be sad if i do that to be fair if i'm in C especially if i'm in C i'm not gonna be sad to have a blue block three but sure. it's uh pretty unexcited so yeah, next i think it's a card you want to play as, as little as possible also i want to know if our icelander cards that we think are super strong are the same card because there's one card that i was just like this card seems crazy oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so next up we have strategic planning it's a generic non-attack action um it costs one and we're going to be looking at the blue one here it says put an attack action card with cost zero uh from a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's deck at the beginning of your end phase draw a card go again and it does block for two this card is a bit innocuous i, I when i first saw this i was like wow this is price my i thought this card is really bad i'm not gonna lie i thought this car is trash then i played Fi and somebody put my phoenix flame on the bottom of my deck and i was like hmm a blue that does that seems okay uh outside of that i feel like this card is pretty unexciting for me i gave it a c plus against phi i think that that's very impactful if you put that starting phoenix flame on the bottom of the deck uh, but outside of that i'm not playing this card <laughs> yeah interesting so i mean uh, that's an interaction i hadn't really thought about i guess um i like this card more than sift i like that you can get back a threat is more what i'm thinking about um potentially if that's relevant right if second cycle is yeah. relevant and the fact that it replaces itself at the end of the turn for arsenal but then you're really gambling on like what the card is that you put into arsenal um so it's not i, I think in terms of the fact that it replaces itself there's some upside to to sift right um and then like what you said blue has utility but then it depends for two as well right so it's really going to depend on your targets it's going to depend on how this format plays out with like if second cycle is actually relevant and also how good putting a phoenix flame on the bottom is but they can also respond by pitching a blue and putting the flame in their hand potentially on on your own turn so uh, i i i don't think so a c is like is like the core of your deck right uh, to me this is like a d plus maybe a c minus in the right deck like i don't want this card in my deck i don't think yeah this feels like one of those cards where it's like i'm just kind of not understanding like what it's supposed to be doing and it just kind of sucks but then maybe it might have some use case <laughs> you're like using a hitch like, oh, i'll give it a c plus yeah i'm like i'm, I'm given i'm given like you know that's that's like a quelling rope like i don't think this card's even near that kind of power i, I think this card is like actively something i don't want I'm, I'm definitely in the sort of d range here i think i'll play the blue against five but that's about it <laughs> all right all right <laughs> Uh, next up, we've got Brothers in Arms. This is the card I referred to earlier. So this is a two-cost generic attack action. Uh, we're looking at the red one here. Attacks for six and defense for two. And it says, when you defend with Brothers in Arms, you may pay one. If you do, it gains plus two defense this turn. I'm Scash. really high on this card. Yeah. yeah, I'm really high on this card. <laughs> at basically all of the cycles, but particularly red, 
uh, because it's just a natural popper, like you say. Uh, not that poppers are as important as they were in Monarch, and I think that's you know good to remember. But they they are important, especially for some of the key dragons, which we'll talk to. There's some really strong dragons. Um, but then it's also just a threat. It's a two cost threat that you can play on the end of your chain. I think in like something like Fire, you know, maybe you come up with a zero cost, and you come up with a one cost, um, and then you come up with this. Uh, that's that's quite strong. Or you know, there's that uh, one that turns your next attack into a, a draconic attack. And then you could get back your Phoenix Flame to put an Arsenal or something. So I think Brothers in Arms, really strong. And then, of course, the defensive ability. Because of Quell, Pitcher Blue, you know, defend with this uh, plus Quell two times. So that's three resources, two cards, six defense, you know, six damage spread as well. You could spread that damage. So I think Brothers in Arms is um, is, is very strong. I think it, like, this is the sort of card that I'm, I'm going to first pick all the time because I think it, it's going to, I'm going to play it in every deck. It has utility. At blue, it's a resource card that also defends well and can be, you know, threat in a pinch. And then at red, is just a good threat, a popper, um, and of course a good defensive card. So I'm giving this like I'm gonna give this a B. I think uh, I thought about like maybe B minus, but I actually think this is one of the best generics in the set. I think it's the best generic at common and rare. Mm. So I do agree with you. It's the best generic. I think Oasis Respite will get there, um, but I give it a B minus. It's got to be honest. Uh, have you convinced me to go to a B? Probably. I really like the red for all the reasons you said. I also like the blue, like in Icelander, as something that blocks for four. And then I can play a zero cost out of zero cost blue out of Arsenal and then go ahead and swing my uh swing my uh my wand there. So I really like this card at yellow. It's probably at its weakest, but overall, uh, yes, it is very close. I think that it either is or very close to the best common in the set. Oasis Spite seems a bit oh, powerful. Yeah, I've I've got a bit yeah, I, I think second best. I take it back. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's very close though. Very close. All right. So next up, we have the first sort of vanilla card of the set, Critical Strike. It's a generic attack action um, at common. It costs one, and the red one attacks for five. It blocks for three. It is all flavor text on it. Um, so yeah, this one for me is, uh, I think it's the the epitome of a C. I like, I like block threes. Like block threes are very, very good. I like that the yellow comes in for four. I think that is particularly nice. Uh, but overall... I don't think I'm like super early picking this card. If I am, I'm probably picking it in five, something where I can play it on the end of a combat chain and it's decent. But uh, yeah, it's block value and it's in its stats. So not bad, not great. Yeah, I just got my notes. Solid, solid, solid. Like this is, like you say, this is a solid C. Maybe in the right deck it's a C plus, but got to remember that this is not a draconic attack. So there is downside there, of course, for fire decks, you know, in terms of like triggering that third uh, chain link to get back your Phoenix Flame to maybe stick an arsenal. Um, but you know it also has utility in Icelander and and uh, and Dromai. So yep, just a solid C all round for all cycles of this card. Next up, we have a returning icon, a very familiar card, Brendan. We've got Scar for a Scar. Uh, if you don't know what Scar for a Scar is, well, read it again. It's a zero cost generic attack action, uh, defense for two, and at red, which we're looking at here, attacks for four. At common, when you play Scar for a Scar, if you have less life than your opponent, it gains go again. I mean, when I saw this card was in the set, I was like, of course it is. It's it's in Volcor. It's the perfect card for the set. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I think this card is less important than it was in well, Welcome to Wraith. Because, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go my reason and get yours in. Uh, I actually think just because Go Again is less of a premium, you know, there's a lot of ways to get Go Again. Um, and because of the way I was feeling, particularly in Sealed, a lot of the time I was feeling like actually taking the damage to give this Go Again was not a play I wanted to be on because of I wanted to utilize some of my Quell cards with resources or I wanted to use utilize more defensive cards with like oasis um, respired or uh, even the sigil so i was like a little bit down on this card to where i thought it was like i opened i had a red and a yellow scarf for scar in my my um seal pool and i was like oh great like perfect i've got these go again cards and i was like ah oh, 
not a draconic chain link, kind of awkward sometimes, uh, not nearly as good as I thought it was. So I think for me, I think red's like a C plus, and then I think yellow's a C, and blue, I think, is like a C minus. It's like it's like getting close to filler, I think. Mm, that's so. very interesting. I thought it was like borderline more impactful than it was in, in, in Welcome to Wraith, because in Dramai, it satisfies your red claws to get Gogan on your dragons, mm. and then in Fi... Um, I guess it more combos with like some of the other Dra Draconic cards, like Flame Call Awakening, lets you go and snatch a Phoenix Flame out of your deck if you've played a red. It's like particularly nice there. You can usually lead off your combo chain with it. So yeah, you are committing a card to hand that isn't going to satisfy your Draconic Chain Link um, clause, but you can still you can still sort of get the Draconic Chain Link cards you need just after Scar for a Scar. It's sometimes a bit of a free roll if you are at lower life. I find in the aggressive decks, the turn cycles tend to go, at least they have for me, they were like, opponents on lower life, I'm on lower life. Opponents on lower life, I'm on lower life. Kind of just trading damage, um, but obviously that could change with more experience of the set. So I did really like this card. I also didn't mind it in uh, in Icelander at red. Obviously, it's, it's a bit of a nomvo of being able to go four go again into my arcane damage plus the wand. Seemed okay. Um, it seemed like something I was happy to park in my arsenal that wasn't something like a blue, a blue zero cost, because it does have that, you know, often will have that inherent gogan, especially when you're starting at lower life. Um... So yeah, I actually have this at a B, mostly at red. I think that the blue is the blue and yellows are very meh. But yeah, red scar for scar. Uh, yeah, red scar for scar is a card that I would, I'd probably, I'd probably first pick that card to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So we're like a, we're almost a grade apart. Um, which you know I I'm not upset about. I'm happy that we have some of these disagreements on these cards because I think it's super interesting. I, I'm not sure that I would be as keen to first pick this card. Like I said, I think this card is a lot. I just think it's quite a bit weaker than a lot of the draconic cards. That say go again on them uh, because of the fact they're draconic and I'm um, when it comes to I actually think this this card is maybe best in Icelander on the set and then probably draw my and I actually don't love it in fire but one thing I was finding playing fire is like I was defending quite a bit I felt like my fire deck was not as explosive as other fire decks I was playing it's not as aggressive but I was just defending more and, and and trying to even back parity and I was finding I think less than you were about trading damage but could like you say be pure experience I guess time will prove. Maybe one of us right, or yeah. both of us right. I only, I only played one mirror, to be fair, so I think that skews my data a bit. Um, I also had a, a little card called Uprising in my deck, and that card is... Uh, oh, must be nice. Bomb. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> it's a bomb. Must be nice. Must be nice. All right, wait to next. All right, we're going to go head over to Trade In. So this is a generic uh, attack action at common. It's a zero cost, attacks for three, defense for two, and it says at red, of course. When you attack with Trade In, you may discard a card. If you do, draw a card. If Trade In is played from Arsenal, it gains go again. So Hayden, I actually really like this card. Um, I really like this card, particularly in Fi. I, I love discarding my Phoenix Flames to this card and then drawing another card. It feels a bit like a free roll. As an Arsenal target that gets go again, I generally don't like cards that are conditional go again based off Arsenal. But Trade-In, I feel like that other effect is powerful enough, both as a way to filter, but also particularly if you get the Phoenix Flames. It's nice that for me, I think this card is a B minus. I like having it in my deck, but I think there's a there's definitely a critical maximum to these cards. Like I don't think you can have too many trade ins or anything like that. But for a common, I feel like it stands out. Um, but I'm just I'm not sold on my grade, Hayden. I'm not sold. Well, let me let me talk you down like a a uh, you know like a good barterer. Um, I don't like this card. <laughs> I don't think it's very good. I think the the use case you've talked about in Fi, I think, is the the best use case for it. Right, is the the Phoenix Flame like trade in. I hate that this is draw as um, in limited particular. I think in constructed it might be the other around, but that this is discard a card and then draw a card. Uh, I think that's like a real big cost. Um, I think the fact that it looks like, like two defense means that you you know if you 
they're trying to like set up something else in your arsenal. This card becomes like potentially dead. Uh, I, I think the red is like this reminds me of Frontline Scout, honestly. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say, dude, it's not Frontline Scout at least. It's not as bad as I, I think Scout, that effect is the effect is significantly better. Frontline Scout getting you pretty much nothing, right? Look at your opponent's hand. I would say the best thing you can compare it to probably is Scour the Battlescape, right? Like, can it's sure. uh, I can't even remember. I what, think it's worse than Scour, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think for me, this is like this is okay filler. Um, I think. I'm going to go C- minus on this D plus at not red, I think. Like, yellow for me in particular, I think it's D. Like, I don't want that card in my deck actively unless it's literally just filler. So, yeah, I, I think I like what you're saying with the Phoenix Flames. I think in fire, it can be somewhat relevant. Um, but you also have to, like, you know, either draw or activate the ability, and then you're trading the ability for an extra card, which is really nice. Like, you know, you come in with three chain links, and then you come in with the trade-in, and then you ditch back the phoenix flame you just got and you turn into a card and, and maybe that could be a really good threat but also you don't know what it could be um so i'm yeah i'm less high on this card i think it's like b b is like putting it in the range of flex and stuff for me which is uh yeah i'm nowhere near that i feel like anything that requires you to put it in your arsenal in limited is sort of risking being too slow uh plunder on probably transcends that uh but still maybe. like some yeah like something that's only good yeah like you're right maybe only good if you put in your arsenal it's like uh <laughs> i don't know so i'm i'm not really sold on that great to be fair one, one day they'll make one of these that defends for three and i'll be all on board yeah <laughs> yeah defense is a big deal like things that defend for three in this yeah. set huge average defense value utility it's just four. utility as well right it just means i don't have to commit to put this in my arsenal to try and get value out of it so need that crown of providence um, baby <laughs> uh someone next to me was playing with the crown of providence Good card and limited. Tell oh, you really? what. Too bad um, it sucks and it's constructed. Yeah, it's bad. Silver Palms. Uh, Healing Balm is up next. This is a zero cost, generic, non attack action at common uh, and defense for two. And we're looking at the yellow one here and it says gain two life, red gain three, blue gain one. Uh, I like this card at red. And even at yellow, I think it's a reasonable resource uh, card that can potentially just get you something on the end of a chain. I think life is really important in this format. Uh, a lot more than I thought it was and being able to just gain back life and do something that's but basically I think defensive abilities are kind of slightly better than they would be in other sets like they're, they're like above the threshold of where they would be in other sets for the exact same thing because of the way that Icelander works because of the way Jeremiah works because of the way that Fire works so all three heroes and what they're trying to do but particularly Icelander with the ability you know you don't have Arcane Barrier you have Quell you have or you do have some Arcane Barrier very minimal right you do have Quell and then you you do have uh, I guess these ways to gain life and prevent damage, but Icelander has like a lot of damage. It's not like an older kind of Arcane Rising Wizard decks where it's like you know they need to play like a higher density of attacks because you know the, the Wizard cards are like not as good, or there's only a couple of ones that you actually want to see. Uh, there's a lot, and there's a lot with really good effects that reward playing like the Ice uh, Ice Wizard cards as well that deal damage. So I like Red Healing Balm. I like that you can I like it particularly in Fire and Dromai, I think. Just obviously being a red and Dromai uh, to pitch if you need to. Otherwise, you just play at the end of a chain after your Aether Ash Wings or your Dragons or whatever. And then in Fire, same reason, like, you know, pitch, come in with attack, come in with weapon, come in with whatever, Phoenix Flame, and then like Healing Balm into the chain, like I'm quite into. So I think it's like a C. I think red might even be close to a C plus for me. Really interesting that we're doing the, uh, the, hidden, the hidden grades because I think this card is trash. Um, I think this card is a D uh, and it's not, I don't think it's particularly close. Like the life gain, like, yeah, it's important when your opponent has non-interactive damage, but I still don't, I still don't think that your, your optimal strategy is going to be sort of gaining life when you're playing against those decks. That being said, I, you said you like the red and the red and the yellow. The only card that I, I think I'm really considering playing this is the blue one. Um, and I'm playing it in Icelander as a blue that can go in my arsenal 
and does at least something and activates my uh, activates my sword or not my sword my wand for three. I think that's fine. Like it's kind of average, um, but yeah, that's the only one I'm really interested in playing. Anything at like end of the combat chain, like you've had go again, and I'm gonna go play an entire card out of my hand to gain three life or gain. Particularly, I'm not I'm not gonna do it for two life. I'm not gonna play the yellow. Um, I'm not sure whether I will sideboard this against Icelander. I don't know. I kind of doubt it, but maybe, maybe, you know, I'd rather, you know, obviously we'd all rather have, um, many things in life, but I would definitely rather have Oasis or Spite. <laughs> but of course it's the best common of the set probably, but still, yeah. Uh, Healing Balm doesn't do it for me. I'm sure there will be some, some sort of fatigue deck that is forced at uh, professional events that makes me look like an idiot, but, uh, yeah, I don't like Healing Balm. It's a D for me. I don't even think it's yeah. I, I'd come down a bit on yellow. Maybe it's like a C minus. It's like a filler, and I I didn't play <clears throat> my yellow. I didn't need to. But the red one was actively doing a ton of work for me. Like there was multiple times where I said I said an arsenal over like a two turn cycles, and then my opponent like quelled me on one turn, and then I just they they got no value off the last quell. I just like flipped the red healing bomb, then arsenal my last card, so they couldn't get value off their last quell. Like there's a few times with things like that. The fact that some of the the damage i was coming in for was like they could you know they could use their three block to to, to do something with it and then play a two card hand back at me and then all of a sudden i just gained three life and the way that the damage is coming in on my opponent's turn with aether ash wings and stuff like i was you know i took some damage from aether ash wing and then i came in and cleared a couple and then played the healing bomb afterwards to gain back some life like the the red i, I was like quite impressed with i thought the card was probably gonna be bad i was quite impressed with it but yeah I, I my yellow is mostly on theory i actually didn't play that card i only played the red so i could be i could be wrong about the yellow and then the, the blue i mean if i'm having to flip that out of arsenal icelander like i think that's i agree i don't think that's good i think that's just just whatever just filler but yeah, yeah. We'll see. i think this is one of those that i'm going to have to play it more because <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's very uh peak theory this is like sleep dart so next we have sigil of protection it's a generic action aura at common blocks for two costs one and the red one says ward four and then it says, oh, and ward is. <laughs> if your hero would be dealt damage, prevent three of that damage and destroy Sigil of Protection. And then it says, at the beginning of your action phase, destroy Sigil of Protection. Oof, Hayden, this is one of those ones that I don't know if I, I don't know how I how I feel about it. Um, I think, you know, maybe playing the red one and stuff against five, against Dromai, where they can potentially just kind of dink you for something small um, and take this away or threaten to take a card or something. Doesn't seem very good. Is it good against Icelander? I'm not sure. I played this in my deck. I played this in my world premiere deck. Um, and it felt, I'm pretty sure it felt underwhelming. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it felt underwhelming, especially in comparison to something I feel like it's competing with, which is Oasis respite. Um, but yeah, I would put this at sideboard, I think, and then give it like a C minus. I really like this card. Yeah, I <laughs> figured. <laughs> I think this might be like one of the hottest cards against um, Icelander, Red and Dramai in particular. Uh, but basically what I was doing with these, I had three of these in my pool and I was bringing basically all of them in when I went first. So I, in like the fire mirror, I wanted to go second every time. I think that was really important and sealed, but I lost a few die rolls. And then I just sided these in and on multiple occasions, I played this on turn one. <laughs> and my opponent goes there and, and just sort of goes, wow, that's really good. <laughs> like The yellow one in particular, you know, they need to come in with a Draconic card that has Go Again naturally to start with. So this usually just blanks that whole attack. Um, the fact that, you know, you can, again, just, I like these cards that you can play, you can do something on the chain, your opponent is utilizing something like Quell, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden you've played a defensive card that gives you utility on their turn, and they've lost value on something like a Quell, I think is really good. Um, but I don't think it's good all the time. So I think this is like particularly 
bad against Jeremiah, right? Aether Ashwings can just kind of take it down. Um, but I think against Icelander, like it's it's like really like a really strong premium. Mm. I think. Um, so I like the. I actually preferred the yellow the most. Just I thought, just in terms of what it did, the fact I could still use it as a resource, and in the red, uh, especially in Jeremiah, I thought was quite good. I, I'd probably just give this a C, but I think it's a cyborg B in red, particularly into Icelander. Um, but I think it's just kind of just gonna be kind of sort of around something that you want in your deck. Maybe it's a C minus, maybe it's a C, but I think this card is, yeah, better than I gave it credit for. And particularly on the play, I was quite enjoying it in my fly deck. What do you think about playing this into Icelander, the context that, you know, that in order to get go again, um, they're going to need to play, you know, a red, a red line card first. So it potentially soaks up that first attack, at least significantly, just because of the nature of how they get go again. Do you think it's worth in that sense? Because I never played um, it that way, but now I'm just like thinking about, mm, is it okay against Jeremiah because of that? Because their first attack is usually kind of a threat? Oh, against Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's potentially reasonable. The problem is if they play something like Rake the Emberclaw, Rake the Emberclaw or Emberwing, the True. one that like yeah, turns you, yeah, like, yeah. or the one that gives, yeah, the ones, these ones that are like kind of turning stuff into ash or maybe they play like the blue attack that turns something into ash, an ash into an ash wing. And, you know, like you've got, all these things, which I think could could uh, sort of lead you astray, but in particular into Icelander, I think the card is like actively. I'm happy to have it in the deck, whereas Jeremiah mm, less so. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, okay, so we get to the we get to the the big one for me. I think Oasis Respite. This is a one cost generic instant. Uh, we're looking at the at common. We're looking at the red version here, which says prevent the next four damage that would be dealt to target hero this turn by a source of your choice. If they have less life than each other hero, they may gain one life. So, of course, in a 1v1 situation, you're generally going to be targeting yourself, and it's saying if you have less life than your opponent. And at yellow, it's prevent three damage, uh, and at blue, prevent two damage uh, common. I, I, yeah, I really like this card. I think this card is, like, super, super good in a format where Quell is one of the best mechanics in, in the set, I think, for limited. The fact that, you know, just a few examples, right? You can pitch a red and Dromai, uh, effectively prevent four damage, gain a life if you're lower, uh, and gain an ash so two cards five five net damage i guess at red and an ash i'm all in uh even at yellow you know it still seems reasonable um and then think about okay i've pitched a blue i quell for two and then i play oasis respite i gain seven damage worth of net across multiple instances of, of what my opponent's trying to do especially against uh fire uh, or drone mice so I'm really high on this card. It was like overperforming. I actively wanted this in, in my deck. It does. I think it does require you having Quell, but I think you're always going to have Quell because I think the equipment is like really high pick and you're going to want it. Uh, but even with like the crown, right? You can pair this for one activation off the crown, your Heliod, and then play this. Um, I think red and, and yellow, I think red in particular is very good. I think yellow is fine. And I think blue is going to do your job as a resource um, and then potentially sometimes play it. But of course, because it doesn't defend, I think it gets worse as it goes down the uh, Probably not playing the blues so. myself. Probably not playing the blues myself. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, those those, but, blo those block zeros are dangerous. Yeah, I agree. I, I think my grade on this, though, is like B, B+. Plus. I think I think Oasis Respite is really strong and a card that um, I'm in a first pick. I, I think this is, I want this in basically mm -hmm. every deck and it's going to do a, a ton of work. Um, Yep. Well, we've disagreed on a few of them, but not this one. <laughs> I also think that it's a, it's a B, and it's God. It's gonna be closing in on that B plus range. Obvious, specifically, like if it's in certain situations or against certain heroes, like it's very good. Um, it makes your Icelander matchup interesting. I think that there's just a lot of things to pay resource. Obviously, you mentioned Quell, but there's you know there's an attack out of Icelander that makes you discard unless you pay two. Um, mm -hmm. there is like Brother in Arms that you can defend with. 
et cetera, et cetera. I think this card is very good. Blakes. Yep, I think this card is very powerful. But I'm probably playing it in red and yellow. I'm probably not playing the blues. Uh, and I'm not sure how many I'm playing in my deck before, you know, they're they're specifically sideboarded for Icelander. I'm not sure how many I'm main decking against, like, a Fi or a Jermai. But, uh, yeah, this card is very powerful. I also think that this card is potentially a problem for Class Constructor. But that's a, that's a story for another day. Uh, five for one is a pretty good return, especially if split when it's life game. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But yeah, that's Oasis Respite. And potentially, I think, maybe the best uh, non-equipment generic in the set. But we will uh, we will see. All right. Let's uh, move on to Draconic Brendan. Draconic it is. Yep. Sash of Sadikai? Sadikai? Sandikai. Sandikai. Oh, there's an N there. Yeah, Sandikai. Um, yeah, so it's Draconic Equipment Chest at Common. Um, it has zero defense, and it says instant. Destroy Sash of Sandakai. Gain one resource. Activate this ability only if you've played a red card this turn. So, yeah, this card is probably exactly what you want to be doing, both in Jermai and Fi. I think that this is very first pickable. Um, obviously, it does sort of narrow you into both of those, uh, both of those Draconic heroes, but for me, this one's an A. But this is where it gets really hard to grade equipment in flesh and blood because when you see a piece like this, it is the best. This is the best. This is the best chess piece that you could have in the set. I don't know if there's legendaries. I could be blanking. Um, but you want this. Like you want this card if you're in Draconic, period, I think. Um, so yeah, for me, it's an A. I think that it will perform very well every time you have it if you're playing Fi or Jermai. Maybe there's a weird archetype that doesn't use utilize red cards, but should be good. I mean, our grades reflect how good equipment is in this game, uh, I think. And yeah, this is a solid A. Might even be an A-plus for me. I, I think this card is maybe the best common or rare in the set. Uh, free resources is so good. I think, you know, compare this to something like Hardened Cross Trap or uh, whatever you want to do from previous sets. Um, the, this, you know, um, a Blood Drop Brigade. And then there was a lot more sort of nuance to Blood Drop Brigade. Like, this is... This is doing so much work for me, and I think the reason that this is doing so much work is, like I say, this is a really resource-intensive format, although sometimes it doesn't look like it, but just paired with the fact you want to play reds, the fact that you have all these defensive abilities, to be able to do something like quell on your opponent's turn and then all of a sudden still have a fire hand that requires a resource to play, uh, you know, like a, a, a one for four or something, or a one for five, that sort of thing. Um, Sash or Sandakai can do that for you. So also turns things like some of the two costs that are a little bit more awkward and maybe something like fire because you want to swing your weapon. Because if you're using only one blue, you, you can't play both of those, right? But with Sash, that allows you to put that output there. So, yeah, this card was super impressive to me. And I felt like every time my opponents flipped it up in their sort of Draconic decks versus if they didn't, it was like quite a big difference. Yeah, and it keeps you open-ish as well. You have two heroes to choose from. The the wizard one, uh, the wizard chest that gains your resource mm -hmm. on your opponent's turn, very powerful. Also an A, in my opinion, will get there. But it does pigeonhole you a bit more when you're drafting, so... Yep. Definitely yeah, does. very true, right? It's the, the openness. But in saying that, you know, like this is where the, the draft is going to be really interesting because you have yes. just just Icelander being by itself and then the two Draconic heroes. So we do split it and what are people going after? Anyway, let's move on. We've got Red Hot next, which is a Draconic action, uh, attack action at rear. Um, it is a Dramai or Fae, a Fae specialization, sorry, and has Rupture. If Red Hot is played as Chain Link 4 or higher, it has. So this is our first time reading Rupture. And in specifically Red Hot, it has when you attack with this, reveal the top X cards of your deck. X is the number of Draconic Chain Links you control. Deal damage equal to the number of red cards revealed this way to any target. And then shuffle your deck afterwards. So hit those allies, hit the uh, opponent for more damage. And it comes in for four attack. 
and three defense. And I think I already said this, but it costs two uh, yes. red hot. So the ability to kill two dragons on the end of your chain uh, seems pretty good. Maybe come in for seven or eight damage total seems pretty good. Um, the rupture cards to me are super interesting. I think it's a lot easier to turn on rupture in both fire and dromai than I thought fire in particular, but dromai as well, especially I think in, in draft with the right decks. And I think people's dromai decks weren't built correctly and people were kind of misunderstanding what they should be doing with those decks. They're a bit more sort of mid-rangey defensive as opposed to like put in all the big phantasm attacks and just try and make as many Ashwing, uh, dragons as possible and ashwings as possible quickly. Like it's a bit more strategic than then you're trying to find these kind of like spike turns where it's like, okay, I, I'm converted multiple ash or I uh, on my turn presented a bunch of damage they had to do and then made some threats that they then can't deal with and then I make some more threats. That's when you can start to like get these long chain links and Red Hot I think is maybe the best of those just in terms Ooh. of what it can do. I mean the ability to like kill two dragons or just push undefendable damage apart from outside of Quell uh, seems really good to me. So I, I think this is like a B plus for me. I think this is like the kind of payoff I want in Rupture. And otherwise at a two cost for a four, a defend three is like kind of whatever, but all the Rupture cards are kind of whatever. Um, but I do if they're not turned on, but I think that's worth considering. So there is one Rupture card that I think is not whatever, but we'll get to it. Oh, the one for five? <laughs> the zero for, f the zero for uh, what is it? Lava burst or oh, whatever. That, sure. I think oh, that card's okay. good. Um, Anyway, Red Hot, I think the effect is good. I think that two cost is really expensive, particularly in Fi. Um, so for me, it's just a C plus. Uh, I think that you know getting its ability is reasonable. So like Rupture is a reasonable ability to get. Getting Rupture while you have two resources floating, that's something else. So for me, Red Hot is a C plus. Yeah, I think it's actually what's holding it back for me, calling it an A, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of a card like Soul Reaping. Yeah. Yeah, this reminds me of a card like Soul Reaping, but it just it's a lot harder to get off. But yeah, I think it's going to be basically we're we're I guess we're arguing on like how big the drawback is of the two cost and being able to trigger rupture. I think that's where like a card like Sash of Sandakai is really important. Um, but when I saw this get off and I saw it, you know, be pulled off quite a lot of times at the world premiere, it was super strong. Um, although I I will agree with you, like two cost is is not easy, uh, and it's it's easier to do in fire, I think, and, and Sash is really key. So. Yeah, I, I can see that. I could come down to like a, a B, but I think I'll probably stick with my B+. Mm -hmm. So next we have Rise Up. It's a Draconic attack action at rare. It's one cost. The red attacks for three and defense for three as well. It's also a Jermai or Phi specialization. It has Rupture, and it says if Rise Up was played as chain link four or higher, it has Dominate and plus X, where X is twice the number of Phoenix Flames you control. Uh, Yeah, so I haven't had any chance to play with this card. I'm not sure. So getting two Phoenix Flames on a combat chain seems like something that's a bit less common <laughs> than just one. So evaluating it one to one for five, defense for three. Yeah, definitely a little bit. So for me, it's just a C. I, I'm actually not over, really over the moon on this one. I think it's okay. The dominate is it really is is dominate good enough? Eh, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that crazy. I don't think dominate adds much for me on this card. Yeah. Um i had this in my pool i wasn't impressed with it i actually cut it into icelander in favor of like sigils and stuff like that it was like the card i was like yeah i'm not that impressed with this card um the, the dominator is like kind of whatever and the fact that like you say it's like i need two phoenix flames um it's not actually that crazy like getting two phoenix flames on the chain is not that hard especially if you're setting it up but then you're coming in for seven dominate for one like that is a really good return but you're having to do a lot of setup and a lot of uh things maybe that you wouldn't optimally want to do to, just to get to that so yeah, I think it's like a C plus. Maybe it's a B minus in the right deck for me, but I'm I'm not as keen on this one as I am on the ones. It's interesting because a lot of the other rupture effects aren't quite as good as this, but they're a lot easier to like. They don't have the. It's like the secondary condition, like this and red hot and a few others have these like double conditions where it's like you have to. 
do X and also X. So, you know, I have to have Phoenix Flames and I have to have Rupture or I have to be able to have two resources and have Rupture. Although I think Red Hot is, is maybe, you know, better. I think Red Hot's better than this card. Um, and then there's a few that's like you have to hit and also have Rupture. So, yeah. Yeah, for me, that one's a C. That one's a C. Um, all right. Yeah. Next up is Blaze Headlong. So this is a another Draconic attack action. Uh, cost zero, defends two, and attacks for four. Of course, all Draconic cards are red. Uh, if you have played another red card this turn, Blaze Headlong has go again. Um, I mean, in the decks that can play this card, it's just a better Scarf Riscar, I think. You know, and, and the argument might be, well, you know, Scarf Riscar, you play first on the chain. Uh, okay, but that doesn't turn on your Draconic anyway. Um, so you're going to always need these Draconic cards that have natural go again. This is not one of those, but then it's just a zero for four. Uh, and that's a really good return. So this is a C plus for me. Mm, I had a B plus. I think this card is so gas. God, I Oof. want this. I want this card most of the games I'm playing. So there's a lot of, there's like a balance in in uh, five, right? It's five specifically where you want cards that have inherent go again. And then you have like a few that have a conditional go again, right? You know, whether it's the number of chain links, but you know, this one just being, you have to have played a red before. That seems pretty reasonable for me, and a zero for four is something that I would love to be playing after my first uh, my first attack action for that combat chain. So I think this card is really really powerful. Like B plus, like in Phi, like I want a bunch of these. Uh, obviously not too many because they're a bit of a nombo with two, uh, with as you get more and more of them. But yeah, this this is a B plus. I could come down to a B, but I probably won't for now. <laughs> Do you think this is better than all of the generics? All of the generics. Um, no, there's one. There's one more that I. think I mean, this is your current greatest, right? Like a B plus is like better than Oasis, better than uh, Brothers in Arms, better than Flex. So I get. I'm pretty sure I gave B pluses to most of those, including Scar for a Scar. Uh, maybe I didn't. Wasn't as high on like Brothers in Arms or something. I don't know. I think I was. So yeah, I think it's on par. That's that's the only way I could come down to a B. I think or around that range is because in comparison to other generics in the set, it's you know, it's on par, but very powerful card. This is the generic I'm, I'm, I'm picking pretty, pretty, uh, or dr yeah, well, draconic that I'm picking pretty high. Okay. Yeah, I think, like, I'm interested to talk through some of the next slots of draconic cards, because I think this is, I think this is fine. I think this is kind of middle of the pack when it comes to draconic cards, but I think there's so many more powerful cards, and I think I'm rating pure damage less than you are, I think. Like, even just talk about, like, Scar for Scar, and, and then this, um, yeah, I don't know, Defense for 2, uh, doesn't have, like, an on-hit effect. Like a B plus for me is like a is like a snatch, and I guess this can have go again. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I think I'm gonna stick on a C plus. I'm not as high on. I think go again's a lot easier to come by. Um, I think pure damage is is good, but the on hit effects I think are like where I really want to be if I'm trying to draw stuff or. Yeah, I think I think I'll stick a C plus. Yeah, it just has the on hit effect of reducing the opponent's life total to zero. So, classic. It's a classic one. Oh. All right. So, next up we have Breaking Point. This is a Draconic attack action at common. Um, it, it, at red here, it costs one, attacks for five, and blocks for three, and has Rupture. It says if Breaking Point is played as Chain Link four or higher, when this hits a hero, destroy all cards in their arsenal. Yeah, I think this card is very good. <laughs> to be honest, I really I played this one card for five at the minimum. Yeah, one for five at the minimum, and the Rupture effect is I think three. Yeah, the Rupture effect is very significant. Um, you do have to get rupture. If you don't, I guess it is a one for five is okay. The blocks are three, so I think that this card is a B for me. And this is one of those cards that might bring my blazing hedgehog or blazing headlong, as I like to say, uh, down down to a B, sort of on on that par. But yeah, this card this card is powerful at common too, which is crazy. It really feels like a rare 
I don't know if you get that if you get that sense too, but this card really feels like a rare, but uh is that common here? Yeah, I mean, it has like at at um at base it's a red critical strike, right? It's the same as that generic, but also it's draconic and it has a rupture effect. And the rupture effect is it is good. It is not as good as I thought it was gonna be when I had this in my pool in terms of I was like, oh man, this is like what? Like a mini command and conquer? Um, but of course Iceland is looking to play out of Arsenal all the time. Um even Dromite to an extent, and because of cards like Oasis Respite and, and some of these things you want to do at instant speed, it was like maybe not quite as good as I thought it was, but still very good. I think it's just a it's a it's a better critical strike, right? And um this is the kind of thing I want to be doing because even if I'm looking rupture, I'm coming in for five, but when I get rupture, you know I'm coming for five with a really relevant on hit effect and I don't have to do anything else other than rupture and then present this on hit effect with good breakpoint. Um so yeah, I had this like a B minus. I think I'm like slightly down still on some of these cards. I think these cards are good. But there's only so many you can fit into your deck. Um, but I do think this is better than like the the blazing headlong for me personally. Just the on hit effect and and the stats one for five and three as opposed to zero four and two. I, I quite like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Next up, we've got burn away. So burn away is a, another draconic attack action. Zero cost, attacks for two, defense for three, and says as an additional cost to play burn away, you may banish a phoenix flame from your graveyard. When you do, burn away gains plus two and go again. Uh, this card is decent upside because it defends for three um but otherwise i think it's fairly average like it's a big cost to to effectively banish and lose one of those phoenix flames for the rest of the game so i only really want to see this late yes it's good that because it can start a chain at a pinch if you need it to so i think if you're really low on like chain link starters draconic chain link starters you might have to play burn away but i, I really want to limit how many of these in my deck and uh often i, I really don't want to play it this is like a c c minus for me honestly i think a two for zero defense three that has conditional go again and costs you a lot to get that go again. Like those Phoenix Flames are so important. Um, I'm not really that keen on having this card. See for me as well. Could be wrong. Um, yeah, I feel okay. like you don't want to see it early. I feel like uh, it's not worth the banish on like the really, really early turns. Um, I agree. And I don't find myself circling back around to my pitch cards super often when I'm playing fine, at least in sealed, but that could turn around as strategies turn around as well. So I'm not super keen to pitch this card either. Um, and I don't want to play it early. So I kind of just got to draw it later. So yeah, that's a C for me at best. All right. So next we have Flameborn, Flameborn Retribution, a draconic attack action at common. It costs one, attacks for three, and defends for two. And it says when you defend with Flameborn, Flameborn Retribution, if you have if you've been dealt damage this turn, you may return a Phoenix Flame from your graveyard to your hand. Ooh, I don't know. I haven't played with it. I, I don't know. It, it seems, it, it does seem kind of whatever. I'm not gonna lie. It does seem kind of whatever. It replacing a card in your hand, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, replacing itself as a pitch card, I guess. Getting a Phoenix Flame, I have it as a C. On, honestly, I honestly, Hayden, I don't know on this one. I have it as a C. Ooh. I haven't been able to play with it very much. Break it down, right? At minimum, it does kind of one of the things that you really need to do, which is like start the chain with the Draconic card. It's one for three with Go Again. Not a good rate of return, right? One for three. Um, but it does also have this defensive ability where maybe you don't need it to start a chain, and you can trade them for effectively three damage right defend for two get back a phoenix flame if you couldn't otherwise have where you have multiple phoenix flames uh, i think this is a c this is just like a role player like you're gonna play this in in a lot of your decks when you draft it because it does a job that you need it to do um and then other times you're not because your deck's gonna be a higher quality and you're not gonna take it high so yeah i, I think this card is is fine but it's just like a kind of solid c so super solid c probably i think uh, yeah i just feel like it could be a bit better <laughs> than i'm giving it credit for uh just like replacing that card blocking for two like yeah it, 
I'm just not sure on that one, but I'm going to sit with you at C. Uh, but I'm very... really replacing the card, though, right? Like, it kind of... It's replacing part of the card. So it replaces a chain link, which could be really relevant mm -hmm. for getting back another Phoenix Flame. So it could be worth two damage. So it could be worth four net damage, right? Two on defense and and um, and two because of two Phoenix Flames. Like, one back with the self and then one back because you have the Phoenix Flame. Um, and then also, in a pinch, it starts a chain link when you need it, like a, a combat chain when you need two full your Draconic chain links. But yeah, I mean, like maybe it's a C plus, but like this card overall, I was kind of like, eh, it, it, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It just feels like the kind of role player to me. It's like a super solid C. Um, <clears throat> right, Flame Call Awakening, something that I don't think is a role player. Uh, this is a one cost draconic attack action. Attacks for three, defense for two, and says when you attack with Flame Call Awakening, if you've played another red card this turn, you may search your deck for a Phoenix Flame, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle, and it has go again. So. Compare it to the last card we looked at, right? Yes. Starts a chain as you need it to, uh, still defends for two, but it's going to go and find you one of the most important cards in your deck when you're playing Fire, and even for, the, for you know for some builds playing Dramai and the Phoenix Flame, getting that second Phoenix Flame into your graveyard as a um, as a Fire is is really important, I think. So this is one of the best ways to do it. So yeah, I think for me, you know, being a, a thing that starts a chain link has you know it's minimum worth four damage, right? So one for four because getting the Phoenix Flame plus all the upside that, that could potentially um, give you. Uh, I think this is like a, a B minus, maybe even a B for me. Mm, yeah, so I feel like uh, you're often not starting the chain link with this uh, because you'd have had to play like a non-attack. Right, right. You, yeah. you can start the chain yeah, link yeah. with it if you yeah. don't want to get the ability. Yep, yep but, you're right. But yes, specifically talking about the card that preceded this, a Phoenix Flame out of deck versus a Phoenix Flame out of graveyard are infinitely different. <laughs> um, just saturating that graveyard with Phoenix Flames um, and obviously going up to search a card. I think this card is very good. I'm also kind of wondering like how much, how average it is and I might be a Above on it i do think the effect is powerful but you know needing something to come before it it can be a non-attack action though it says if you played another red card that's different right um doesn't have to be you know a red on the combat chain or anything like that i think it's good i had it as a b minus uh but i could see it being a c plus to be honest that being said i could also see it being a straight up b so i'm a fan of this card i played it i would like to have a few of these in my in my fi deck to be honest um, haven't played it in Jermai, but yeah, powerful card. Does block for two. That is a, that is a downside. Yeah. It's interesting to me. I think it's like close in power level to headlong for me. Um, I think I really like the utility of these things. And I, I I think getting, so the earlier you play this, the better. I think like this has, this is like higher value at the start when you get to that second um, Phoenix Prime really early at five, but can drop off. So <clears throat> I think you're right. It's like C plus B minus. Um, maybe I'm coming down a little bit as well, but it's, it's pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So next we have Inflame, which is a Draconic attack action at common it attacks for one blocks for two it costs zero it says when you attack with inflame if you've played another red card this turn you may return a phoenix flame from your graveyard to your hand go again i didn't really like this card hidden um yeah no, so I... yeah just attacks for one is that red as well it does also block for two and it's just pointing the phoenix flame out of your graveyard so it kind of feels like you need to have two phoenix flames in your graveyard for this to be good because you want to also activate fire on that turn yeah, I think that this is a C minus for me, Hayden. It could even be lower. I, I actually tried playing it too, and I was like, it felt as underwhelming as I expected it to. This is really low grade filler for me. Like yeah. pure, like not even a role player. This is like C minus, maybe D plus. Like I, I really don't like this card. Um I, I might even just give it a D plus just to try and persuade like dissuade people from putting it in the deck because it is quite bad. It's really use case oriented, like you say. It only gets good once you have two Phoenix Flames and it's only like this is a rupture enabler. So I think this is the sort of card if you're building like a really heavy rupture deck, like this is the kind of thing you, you are going to want um, for sure because of, of what it does in terms of the ability to basically potentially, you know, to be two chain links, to create two chain links for you. So 
in rupture if you think about okay i've got a pitch card i've got my rupture card and then i've got another you know attack or maybe just my weapon and then i have this well i can get to four right because you go um you go uh actually this doesn't work because you need a you need a card to play first to turn on the inflame so like yeah it's it's really average to be honest yeah i was trying to build a, a use case that i thought was really good for it but it's it's still even because even if you go like okay red attack that has go again into this into your phoenix when you go back with it into your rupture it's not even like the best use of your resources like you'd rather use your weapon in there somewhere so uh, yeah i'm not um i'm not as hot on it although maybe with red hot it's really good mm-hmm. uh next up we have lava burst which is a electronic attack action defense for three attacks for two and costs zero it has rupture if lava burst is played as chain link four or higher it has plus three attack uh interesting because i know you just talked about this card before um i think this is a fine rupture payoff i think zero cost rupture is like really good because it allows you to go one cost plus weapon i think that's kind of the upside this card has but the ceiling of this card is is five damage uh for zero as opposed to five damage for one with a bunch of other cards so like critical strike or uh the mini commander conquer we talked about before um so i'm like i think this card's fine uh i think it's at its floor it's it's kind of bad zero for two uh does nothing else um, so I'm gonna give this like a C, maybe a build around B minus at best. But I think this is like kind of filler. I think this might even be a C minus in most decks, to be honest. That's crazy. Yeah, I love this card. I think this card is so good. But in five, I haven't played Again, it in damage. Again, yeah. damage, right? You well, love the damage. There's such a like zero for five is just so good in five. Like I, the thing is, is like it's so, there's there's a contextual aspect to this where it's like how many resources is Hayden playing his deck versus how many am I? Because then zero for five is of a different value, right? Where you have a potential one for five as well uh, that you could play that has an effect. So yeah, I think that in in like a lean fi deck, I want these like bad, and I want to be arsenaling them. And I think they're they're very very effective on the end of a chain link. Um, zero zero for two, you're right, not very good. But blocks for three, I feel like that's good enough for me. Um, yeah, I have this at like a B to B plus. I really I I don't want many of them, but I love it. I actually love this card. I think it's incredibly powerful. Um, just finishing that chain link with five it being zero cost i'm I'm pretty two cost averse in the five deck i'm pretty two cost averse you're also playing against things like icelander which give you um which give you frostbites and yeah i just i find that you know something like zero for five gets me much more excited i think what i'm where i'm coming from is that getting these like ruptures is a bit easier than i thought but it depends on the matchup and it's not always like guaranteed um and then like zero for five so i guess where i'm coming from with like my resource base is that i think the weapon is really strong Yes. So I think one cost uh, particularly quite good as well because at least you utilize your resource basis. But what I like for my zero cost is I really like these zero cost chain starters. We're going to talk about some of these that are coming up soon and particularly in Fire, there's ninja cards that do this, um, draconic ninja cards. So like having this zero cost is like, is, is pretty good, I think. But also I think the one cost ones are really strong as well. So yeah, I, I think this card is is fine. Like I'm, I'm going to play it in a, in a lot of decks, but like it's, its floor is quite low. Like zero for two, even though it does defend for three. Like, that is quite a low floor, I think. So, and then I don't think its ceiling is that high. Like, I think this just kind of plays in the middle ground. And I, I think it's hard to to kind of say that this is going to be a B in most decks. But yeah, I, I might stretch to a C plus maybe. But I do think there's better cards at C plus that I've kind of already given. Yeah. So I sort of evaluate this as sort of, as like kind of a one cost in, in a sense, right? Because a lot of times I find like an effective line. The one that I really like is like a three card hand, right? You pitch a blue or you come in with a zero cost attack to start. Then you pitch a blue, you attack with a weapon, then you activate five for one resource. You get your Phoenix Flame and then you lava burst them. It's like disgusting value for three for three cards, in my opinion. So like, that's what I really like about this. Also, you know, if you have Uprising in your deck, lava burst pretty good because <laughs> you'll be going wide. 
But uh, yeah, I just like I think that like th- that specifically, especially if you're playing any so- any sort of like mid rangey game where you're planning on blocking a bit, you're planning on interacting with your opponent. Um, I think like that three card in hand in particular is very reasonable. Like it's very doable. You can do it often, um, especially if you arsenal the the, the lava burst. And uh, yeah, I think it's just powerful. I think zero for five is very good. Yeah, it's just blowing my mind that you've got this higher than something like Red Hot. I just think that card has like got such a like a high payoff, and I think yeah, could just have less blues than you in my sealed deck, right? But Red Hot. It's just, just a question. How many how many blues are you playing in your fight deck? Um, probably not. I mean, I'm probably like I did ideally. Um, do I have to play? The question is like, the uh, question comes about yellows too. But let's say like uh, okay. probably eight to ten. Play eight to ten. Oh, okay. So yeah, like I yeah. was around like seven to eight. Yeah, reasonable. <laughs> I think ten's a lot. That's like a third of your deck, right? It but is a lot. I think eight is probably what I would what I would shoot for, and then maybe in a draft where I didn't get to pick my blues, um, you know, maybe I got a little bit more cut off than I expected in pack three or something, or other people have the same strategy where they're picking the blues in pack three, which we get into that whole thing. Um, maybe I end up with six. I'd probably be okay. You know. All right. So Thanks next so. up is Searing Touch. It's a draconic attack action at common. It attacks for three, defense for three, and it costs one. It says Rupture. If Searing Touch is played as chain link four or higher, when you attack with this, deal two damage to any target. So one for five, but uh, you can hit another target. So that's going to be effective against Dramai. <laughs> Other than that, I think it's just kind of bad. Um, probably just seems strictly worse than Breaking Point as well. Um I haven't found, I found if you're playing Phi, this card, like, it doesn't feel like you're really stretched to kill a lot of dragons, especially the lower health dragons. I feel like the, the bigger health dragons, the invocations are, those are where you really struggle, but clearly, like, Aether Ashwing seems pretty reasonable. So for me, I have this as a C, and I probably even will go, go down to, like, a C minus. I think this card's good. Um, I think this is, like, comparable to Lava Burst for me, maybe slightly better. Uh, <laughs> this is so interesting our kind of evaluation of these cards i think like being a one cost is you know like like i said that's resource intensive format like it definitely is does count for something but the ability to split that damage i think is, is pretty good and like you say yeah you can clear aether ash wings i think it is harder to, to clear some of the dragons um also this is just p- your pure damage which is sometimes really hard to deal with but one of the downsides is they can like quell this for value um so i, I have this at like a c i think it's uh, like you say, it's not as good as uh, the five the five power attack, but I think it's kind of on par with uh, lava burst level. It's like you're gonna have it in your deck. It's a reasonable rupture payoff. You could be careful about how many of these you have because at a base level, just as an attack, it's it's like you say, it's pretty bad. But hey, Brendan, so is lava burst. So mm-hmm. uh, next up is stoke the flames. This is a one cost for four attack, three defense. It says when Stoke again draconic attack action. We're still in the draconic attacks. Uh, when Stoke the Flame hits, you may return a Phoenix Flame from your graveyard to your hand. If you do, Stoke the Flames gets go again. Uh, I'm really not keen on conditional go again in a set where I think there's a lot of ways to get good go again. Um, I think this actually, yeah. I, I mean, like we said before, right? A Phoenix Flame in a graveyard is like it's pretty reasonable. It's it's good value. But the fact you have to hit to be able to do it, and then also you have to hit to even just continue the chain link on to get go again. I think where this card is actually at its best is like at the, the end, end of a of chain the link. So chain, I would yeah. say like, yeah. yeah, be like, okay, I have a card in hand, and then I play Stoke the Flames, and it's like my opponent can defend it out, you know, like with two cards, or maybe they've got the resource from Crawl, which is another reason I'm kind of down on this card. Um, and then I just get to Arsenal my other threat and move on. Otherwise, I get a Phoenix Flame back. Maybe I get to play my other threat plus a Phoenix Flame, return another Phoenix Flame, or I just like 
you know, play the Phoenix Flame for a damage Arsenal threat, or I play the threat Arsenal Phoenix Flame. So lots of different ways about it. But I think this is just like a C. Like I think you you are going to play this card a lot of the time, um, but it is not something that I'm particularly getting or taking high because I think it can kind of like ruin your hands. But a defense for three, and it's a four for one, so it's it's reasonable. Yeah, I think this card is pretty reasonable. Not I'm not going to give it a crazy grade or anything like that, but. Uh, in Fi, like it feels effectively like a one for five. Um, at the, I only play it. You only really play it at the end of the combat chain, I think, right? Or if you're in a mirror or something, and the opponent is not blocking, you know, trying to have a pivot turn. It, I guess it's okay in the middle of the combat chain there. But um, yeah, at the end of the combat chain, effectively functioning as one for five, or maybe you can stick that Phoenix Flame in Arsenal um, if that's what you do. I think it's pretty reasonable. I just have it as a C plus, like, but I could go down to C. But yeah, I, I just. At the end of a combat chain, I, I like it, right? And obviously, if you have something like a lava, like a lava burst or something like that in Arsenal, and you're playing this at the end of the combat chain because maybe you don't have rupture, then it can be quite powerful if the opponent really doesn't interact with you there. But um, outside of that use case, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, one for four is I don't think ever terrible, right? Like it's it's um, especially if you're able to use like like it works well with the weapon, right? Like zero cost. Yeah, maybe weapon phoenix flame whatever roll into this like there's there is use cases for it but um yeah it's i think it's just kind of it's just like a role play mm -hmm. lastly brendan what's the last card so we got the phoenix the flame box? yep so we have phoenix flame here uh the only thing we gotta say is play all three of them if you're playing five if you're playing jermai um i've seen people play one because of the draconic attacks things like flame call awakening going to fetch i think that's that's a reasonable choice like i think that that's probably that's probably a good idea i haven't done it myself yet so i can't give you the final verdict um but play one if you have a way to grab it or interact with it i wouldn't just play one of my Jeremiah deck in five yeah you play all three period i, I don't think there's gonna be there's gonna be a use case where you play less than three and five yeah, no, I, my my game one of the Uprising World Premiere, I had two, and and then immediately realized that I definitely should have been playing all three, um, basically on turn one. So yeah, play play all three and, and find basically every situation. I can't really see any situation where you think where two is going to be correct just based on the number of cards that care about Phoenix Flames and your hero ability. Uh, getting that second one in graveyard as soon as possible, getting it as soon as possible is really key. Um, and then Dramai, yeah, I think it's like a zero to one, right? Like there is decks that are probably going to play none, but Rupture is still draconic. It's still relevant, and there are like you say, there's cards that can get it, cards that can get it back. Um, but drawing in hand is often going to be pretty poor in uh, Dramai, so you do need to do need to weigh that up. But yeah, Phoenix Flame. Um, and also, have you seen the full art Phoenix Flame? It looks oh, awesome. it's beautiful. I mean, just on that point, like Legend Stories did an amazing job with making like packs fun and interesting and exciting to open in the set. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. All right, Brendan, into the first of our heroes, we've got Dromai as we move into the Draconic Illusionist cards, and Dromai says, whenever you pitch a red card, create an Ash token. If you've played a red card this turn, dragons you control have go again while attacking. So four into the 20 health, of course, Dromai. And uh, Ash, I'm going to read Ash for the first time uh, and the one time. Ash is a Draconic Illusionist token. Ash, material. While Ash is under an object, that object has Phantasm. So, and Phantasm says, when this is defended by a non-illusionist attack action card with six or more attack, destroy this and close the combat chain. So, that's what Ash does. Um, thoughts on Dramai? I mean, I guess one of the, just some, like, keynotes from Dramai, like, pitching reds on the opponent's turn is how you can get some good value off of cards. You know, we talked about Oasis Respite before, how you can pitch that uh, paying red, get an Ash, etc., um, there's good, some good play patterns with Jeremiah that sort of I think are going to evolve as we move on with this hero. I think it's 
I think it's the hardest of the heroes to like build and even play uh, because it's sometimes you can just kind of be like, oh, I need to like have all these reds and then pitch reds to play reds and be really resource inefficient. Uh, and I think there's a real balance to this deck uh, in terms of, sorry, this hero in terms of like the resources you play and when you utilize your resources. Yep. I think it's the hardest hero to make work and seal. <laughs> um, yeah. So Jeremy, is it good though? Yeah. I think it's so good. I think a lot, a lot of people are kind of down on it right now after the world premiere. I just think it's a bit more complicated than the other heroes, which is surprising because we have Wizard in the set. Um, but there's just a fine balance between the cards you're playing, your resource cards, generating Ash, converting that Ash to Aether Ash Wings, um, and then the dragons as well. <laughs> and some of them are very good. We'll get into that. But some of them are okay, and some of them are like, oh, God, how am I going to deal with this? So, yeah, I think Jeremiah is powerful. Hard to make work and sealed. But if you have the right pool, go for it and draft uh to be honest i don't know i didn't play against any in draft and it seems like a deck that's probably that's where it's going to shine if it's going to shine anywhere it's not in seal it's going to be a draft in my opinion yeah um al one of our testing partners Demkai, he had a pretty nutty dramai draft deck in the draft that i did uh i played the mirror against him and uh there's a particular dragon that's very good in the mirror which uh which dan had and was was crushing me so yeah dramai very interesting <clears throat> All right. All right, Brendan, do you want to take us through? I'll just quickly read the, the weapon as well. If you haven't seen uh, Storm of Sandakai, it is a Draconic Illusionist weapon, two-hander, and it says Dragon Allies you control have once per turn, action, zero, attack. Um, and, uh, of course, just gives the reminder text, allies can be attacked and can't be defended by the controlling hero. Um, all right, Brendan, what's first up yeah. in terms of our Draconic Illusionist cards? Yeah, so it's going to be Silken Form, which is Draconic Illusionist Equipment Arms. It's at common. It blocks for zero. Uh, it says instant destroy silken form transform target ash you control into an aether ash wing um, and then it has quell one on it so just quickly let's just talk about what an aether ash wing is so an aether ash wing is a token um, you use your ash to convert to an aether ash wing and it is a it has one attack and one health it's an ally and it has arcane barrier one on it as well um and, and importantly it's a dragon yes it is a dragon a dragon so this armor is pretty interesting because I don't think it competes with too much, but still I would put it at a B plus. I don't think it's quite there at the at the the Sandiki or <laughs> I forget the name uh, or yeah, any of those yeah. like really impactful pieces of armor. I just think that like I want this if I'm playing Jermai, um, and it's just good, right? Quell one is good, but also instant turning something into an Aether Ashwing seems quite powerful. So B plus. Yeah, I mean. The, the coolest thing about this is that you can use Quell, and then because Quell means that it gets destroyed at the end of the end phase, you can also use the instant ability to turn an Ash into an Aether Ash Wing. So it's not just one or the other like some of the others. This is both. So um, Silken Form is, is really good. I think it's a it's a defensive card that then turns something into a threat. So you can actually go, you know, Quell on your turn, and then they play the last attack, and then they, you know, they target you as the hero, and then you flip the Quell flip this after you've quelled the attack or something get the aether ashwing and then have the threat on your turn i, I think this is a b plus it might even be an a minus for me i think this is one of the strongest equipment i don't think it's as strong as the sash or the wizard chest that we're going to get to um but i think it's it's been something that i'm actually gonna i'm gonna give this an a minus i had a b plus i think just the ability to do both create a threat and be defensive is, is really strong yeah i could get behind that next up we've got uh invoke asvali so Asvali is, uh, so we'll read, so there's a double-sided card. It's the first of our double-sided cards, the Invoke on one side, and then the Draconic Illusionist Dragon Ally on the other side. So Asvali, uh, Invo Invoke Asvali says, um, Invocations resolve flipped as an ally in the arena, which we're going to talk about. And it has transformed target Ash control into Asvali, go again. And it defends for three, and it costs zero. Uh, so our first dragon 
our first invocation and it costs zero and as says whenever as attacks you may have him deal one damage uh, one arcane damage up to any two targets and it has two attack and three defense and it's a draconic illusionist dragon ally uh this one's very good and it's very very good in the mirror, in the mirror. Yeah. Come, yeah come in for two and kill two aether ash wings or um you know ping off one damage onto two different dragons and then kill them off um it's the, it's the mirror breaker this is what our, our good friend dan mckay was crushing me with in our draft that we did um and the fact that it's zero cost zero cost i think invocations are really strong because you can literally just play this off of one card hand have the ability and come in with it because it triggers the go again um it satisfies that that content uh, sorry that um condition on the weapon and then of course then you just you have the dragon so i think this is b plus maybe yeah i think it's a b plus and i think against drone might it's like an a plus in the mirror yep i agree <laughs> that's what i had it's very powerful so effectively you're getting zero for four pretty often which is good the three defense yeah it could have higher defense but still good enough and like you said you're able to play this and swing with it it's a very good card so yeah i'm gonna be actively drafting this pretty early if i'm in Jermaine. all right so next up we have invoke chromite <clears throat> this is another zero cost um what do we call these? Invocation. <laughs> uh, at rare, it blocks for three and it says transform, ash control into Chromai. Go again. So once per turn, when Chromai attacks uh, or leaves the arena, gain one action point. It has three attack and two life. Um, and I don't know if we said it, but this is at rare. Yeah, so this one is this is actually one I'm not too sure on. I think I might put it at like B plus just because I... Th or not B plus, sorry. B minus because I feel like... Uh, the zero cost dragons are just very effective um it's a it's once per turn when it attacks or it leaves the arena gaining an action point yeah it's good i don't know if it's great so i think insulating you against those those poppers too is is decent but um yeah for me it's just it's a b minus it's a really good dragon uh but it's uh it's text there might not be isn't the reason it particularly stands out to me yeah, all these things cost a card, right, which is, is relevant, but they're also really good threats and they're onboard threats, like Brennan's favorite term, sticky weapon, you know, mm -hmm. that they've got to, they've got to deal with. Um, but the the really good thing about these zero costs is, like I said before, is you can play them off one card hands. They're super resource efficient, especially if you're trying to pitch reds to gain ash to do other things as well. You know, a zero cost can have a lot of value. Um, and then, like you said, yeah, popper insulation. So if they do defend it with a six attack, you still get your action point back. Uh, but also... I guess the the kind of the cool thing is that it gives you that protection for the full turn as well. Um, if they want to try and defend something else, well, when it attacks, it still gets a, an action point. So they can't then pop a bigger attack and get the value out of it. So that's quite nice. And then, you know, there is things that don't have go again. There's like, um, uh, is it called dust, dust Up, I think? There's one that like when it hits, turn an ash into an ash ring, but it doesn't have go again by itself. So it makes that card more playable, where I think that card is maybe not as good. So... Yeah, I'm on board. B minus, I think um, it's not as good as some of the others, but it's still very strong and zero cost is good. Uh, next up, we've got Invoke Kyloria. Um, and so these all have the same text in terms of transform target ash into the said dragon. This one costs one, defense for three. And uh, Kyloria says attack four, health two. Again, Draconic Illusionist Dragon Ally. When Kyloria hits a hero, gain control of an item they control. If they don't, if you don't gain control of an item this way, draw a card. Um... This is snatch on a stick. Yes, <laughs> this is snatch, but it's a permanent. I think this is like a, it's maybe an A minus, but it's also may, it's also maybe an A. Like, what are they gonna do? Let this sit on the board on their falling turn? No, you can also play it and then swing with it on your turn. So it's effectively a snatch, but I guess for one, um, yeah, this card is ridiculous. This you like the opponent literally has to kill this on the on the next turn. You cannot let this sit on the board. It is way too powerful. Um, yeah, I think for this this one's an A for me. 
Yeah, I, I think it's an A minus for me. I think it, it doesn't quite reach the A. And I think the, the reason for that is just, again, it's, it's a one cost, as two health. Yes, they have to deal with it, but they, they can pretty easily deal with it at, at two health. Um, but the first turn you come in with it, it's going to draw two cards, right? And then force them to spend a third card to kill it. So that's a lot of value. Two cards for three cards, really good trade. And then, if, you know, you've got other threats on the board. Maybe it's protecting another dragon that they have to kill this one. And now all of a sudden you get to keep around your your Chromai or your um, T-Maya, whatever it might be, these other dragons. So, yeah, I think this is like an A-minus for me. But, yeah, the, the card is super good. I know Dan, uh, again, just Dan had this one as well. <laughs> he had all yeah. the dragons. I pulled um, the, uh, all the Marvel work. of this in the world from nice. there. So, next we have Invoke. Is it Mira Guy? Mira Guy? Uh, Mirror guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one uh one resource, three defense, and once you transform it, it has two attack, four life, um, and it says your first dragon attack each turn loses and can't gain fat phantasm. By the way, this is a rare. So Hayden, I actually think that this effect is not particularly important um in limited, especially in sealed, because there's significantly less poppers. Mm -hmm. Um you also have less things that have phantasm. Obviously the dragons do. I have it as a C plus. I don't think it's particularly incredible. Um, I think it's more of a constructed card than anything. It also costs one. Remember, it costs one. It has the four the four life. Yes, that is annoying. Four life is annoying. Um, but only swinging for two. Maybe if your deck is like grinding the opponent out a bit more, kind of. But yeah, C plus for me. C plus. I'm gonna sit on that. Yeah, Miraga. Yeah, it's it's pronounced Miraga. Um, having four health is really relevant. I think, but other than that, I agree. The effect is not that relevant because it's only your dragons, not your attacks. You can't be like, oh, I've got this eight cost um you know the big eight cost to attack that doesn't lose phantasm for instance so yeah i mean this is it's fine it's a good threat it's four health it's two attack i'd give it a c plus as well uh let's move on and next up we've got uh invoke uh necria so necria is same again this is a three cost this time though uh defense for three and it transforms an ash into necria and necria says when necria deals or is dealt damage put a minus one um health counter on her and create an ash token and it has seven health and four attacks so anytime that you uh get through a damage you put a negative one counter on it. if it's dealt damage say it's dealt four damage then it would have two health left because you get a negative one health counter um for that turn but then the counter stays but the the rest of the health goes back up as they do with allies so um i i like this one i think it's just a Perfect. really good threat right yeah like it's it's hard to kill because of the the seven health um of course you know maybe after two turns it kind of starts to become easy to kill but then they've kept around a four attack on the Three board for, eight, for yeah. multiple turns pretty good <laughs> yeah so I, I think this is better than something like um Miragai, but i think it's not you know it's definitely not kylori level so it's probably like a b minus for me i have it at a b minus all right so next up this one <laughs> we got uvia 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 so we have uh yeah so obviously it uh it costs two and then it blocks for three and once it transforms it's also rare uh draconic illusionist dragon ally attacks for one only six life not very good stats Aiden. oh wait there's some text on it at the start of your turn or when an uvia enters the arena by the way transform up to one ash you control into an aether ash wing Ooh, this one's good this is uh this card is Develops a lot of advantage, I feel like. It's very grindy, particularly against Icelander. This card is annoying. Six life. That is really, that's the part that's hard. Like, actually killing this thing, really tough. Um, and, yeah, I feel like Uvia is just one of the better dragons. It's probably the one that I want to open maybe the most. The Snatch one debate, yeah, Snatch one maybe more, but Uvia I think is very, very good, especially for what you, I think you want to be doing in Dromai, which is not like a particularly just like super aggressive like linear deck i think you want to be more mid-rangey more grindy 
So it's a, yeah. it's a B plus for me. I, I agree. You do want to be. It's it's. I think the you're but you're trying to overwhelm your opponent and get board presence and Ovia definitely helps you do that. The six health is like you say it is hard to deal with and and let's not forget you have to deal all of that in one turn. It's not like you deal three and the next turn you can deal three. They they heal back up at the end of turn, right? So you have to you have to be able to kill them, right? I've just made that up. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. I'm just making sure that I haven't mocked that. Yeah, that's how allies work. So you just have to kill it in the turn unless you get minus one health counters like you do with Necria. So um, yeah, the only thing I would say of the downside is it does attack for one. So in itself, it's like the, the threat of it is what it's doing on the board. It's not the damage it's dealing. So Need yes, ash. it can get out of control. You think about like Shimmers of Silver or something. That's something I could pair this to, I think, to some degree. Uh, but you, yeah, you also need the Ash, right? So um, I'm like I'm like a B- minus on over here. I think it's more in line with the power level of Necria for me. Um, I think it's still better than um, Miragai, but I don't think it's as, as like anywhere as good as like Kyloria. It's probably, yeah, it's around like that Chromai level to me. Um, so I'm going to give it a B minus. Mm -hmm. It does cost two. Yeah, it does cost two. Yeah. Next up, we have Invoke Timai, um, and this is a two cost invocation as well. Again, just defense three as they all do. And Timai says, opponents can't play cards or activate abilities during your turn. Has three attack and four health. Um, I think this card is very good. I think this card is very good against Icelander. It's probably an A against Icelander. Uh, I saw um, an Icelander opponent on the final table playing for their like six and zero for their box and getting, uh, or maybe it was five and maybe trying to get to five and zero playing against an Icelander. Um, and there was a team I, and then that died, and then there was another team I, mm. <laughs> and that Icelander was not in a good spot. Um, so I, I think it's very good. Four health. The four health breakpoint I think is really important. It's hard to hard to kill. It's not as easy to deal with. You can't just like come in with like your fire weapon or um, something. You know, these three cost attacks. Uh, these sorry, the three power attacks. Um, but this doesn't stop Quell. Um, this does you know stop certain things, but not Quell because it's a it's a triggered ability. I'm gonna give this like a B B minus I think, but against Icelander it's an A. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll side with you on that one. <laughs> um. I haven't had this, I haven't the, the sort of the privilege to play against Icelander yet. So next we have Invoke. Uh, oof, Vincerakai. Vincerakai. That's a mouthful. It's at rare, um, and it costs three and blocks for three. And uh, when you transform it into an ally, it has six attack but only one life. And it says whenever, uh, what is it again? Vincerakai. <laughs> Vincerakai. <laughs> it's a hero. Deal three arcane damage to them. So. I think it's effective. Is it effectively a three for nine? Um, you should, I mean, ideally you're able to swing this on the turn that you create it. It pretty much probably dies the turn after, almost guaranteed. Is it good enough at that? Um, I just had it as a C plus, haven't had the chance to play with it. It just seems kind of average. It's a lot of damage. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of damage. Um, but yeah, that arcane damage also has to go face. It cannot hit a dragon or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It's very easy to deal with. Even Icelander can deal with this really easily um, in terms of like some of the incidental damage it has to any target. Not the weapon, though, but any, but a lot of the other damage. Um, it's two cards for a threatening nine, right? That like That's that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, you need the Ash to do it, and then it can die. Uh, and six is like... If it was like seven, I'd be like, wow, like the breakpoint's crazy. It's so hard to deal with. Six is not impossible to deal with, to you know defend out and then come back with a card. Um, and, and often you don't even have to spend a full card to deal with this, right? It could just be an Aether Ashwing or um, maybe some incidental damage off something else. So, yeah, I think Vincerakai for me, C plus as well. I think it's uh, fine, but it's definitely not up there. Next we have Invoke Yindirai. Uh, and this is a one-cost invocation. And then Yindirai says, 
Uh, Yindirai enters the arena with an endurance counter on him. If Yindirai would be dealt damage, remove an endurance counter from him to prevent three of that damage. It attacks three and has three health. So effectively, it has six. two lives. Yeah. It has the you know, yeah six health, effectively. You have to... Uh, well, well four, you know, you four, could deal... Four <laughs> yeah, four, four to six, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so you have to, you know, deal it some damage and then deal it again. So it takes two sources to kill it, um, which is annoying. Uh, it costs one. I think if this costs zero, it would be, like, up there, right? I think it'd be better than Chromite, potentially. The fact it costs one means you can't do the kind of zero cost dragon thing. Um, sometimes one cost is actually not a downside unless you pitch to create an ash, but you know, uh, sometimes it is. So I, I think this is just like solid C plus, reasonable threat, kind of hard to deal with, but not overall that hard. It's exactly the same grade I have. So heading into the Lucius uh, attack actions and non-attack actions, we have first here, we have Billing Mirage. This is a Draconic Illusionist attack action. Um, it's a common attacks for three, blocks for three, and cost one. We're looking at the red one here. Um, when you attack with Billowing Mirage, transform up to one Ash you control into an Aether Ashwing. Go again. So in here, go again. One for three. Um, powerful, I think. I think this is what you want to be doing to start your combat chains. Like, this is pretty much exactly it. Um, that being said, I think it's just a powerful role player at that. So I have it at a C+. It's a good way to trigger the go again um, for dragons and generate a threat. Uh, it's effectively four for one, right? In terms of like what you're presenting, because it turns something to an, it gets you the ash, the ash wing. Um, I think red and I quite like blue as well because mm -hmm. I think you need some resources in these deck, and I want my resources to be cards that I can also pitch a red to be able to play. And that's what Billy Mirage is, right? It, it generates a threat still, comes in for one. Yeah, that's kind of whatever, but it lets me pitch the red still. So. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's just like a C for me. I think it's solid, uh, but I think there are some better options out there. Next up, we've got Junebreaker Senpai. Uh, when Junebreaker, and it's a, it's a, sorry, it's a five attack, three defense, and looking at red, it costs one, and it has Phantasm. And when Junebreaker Senpai is destroyed, create an Ash token, go again. Uh, so I think just good source of damage has go again naturally, which is nice. You want that, of course, can be destroyed by a popper um but you know like pitch an ash come in with this and then come in with your ash wings or your dragon or whatever like it's just going to be a good damage turn uh, and it's still defense for three so i think this is just a good solid c yeah um so i think these cards are actually pretty good these uh senpais or senpais whatever you want to say mm -hmm. just because there's not a lot of poppers i mean maybe in draft that will change but honestly i don't think so because a lot of those a lot of those six ones are those six attacks are probably going to be drafted pretty early because they're most of them are in generic or they're in generic right and they're pretty powerful on their own so i think you're gonna find a lot of a lot of situations where this is going to be a one for five um and i think that these cards are actually really really good at grinding your opponent out especially in sealed um there's another one we're going to talk about soon but yeah for me i think i'm going to put this at a, a c plus and maybe a b minus like i have to see how it plays out when i when i'm able to get more access to these cards in something like draft and then play them against uh i play them against other opponents who are in that same pod because it does seem quite powerful to me. One for five, yeah. defense for three, obviously Phantasm, but yeah. I, I played um I played a draft with a drone my deck and I had a few of these and and they were good. They they were solid. <laughs> um they weren't advancing my board state, which I think is really important with Dromai, and I think that's kind of a downside to them, but you knew do need some of these cards. So that's why for me like it is just kind of a, a role player. The the you know the red might be a, a C plus at best, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of where I'm seeing right now. Mm. Alright, so next we have Dust Up. This is a Draconic Illusion's attack action. Attacks for three, defense for three, 
we're actually, sorry, we're looking at the yellow here. So at red, it attacks for four. Um, cost zero, it says when dust up hits, create an ash token, then then transform one ash you control into an Aether Ash Wing. So it doesn't have go again. Um, yeah, I think this is, uh, I think it's really, I think it's good filler. Like it's a lot of value <laughs> hitting. Um, if you have a breakpoint or something like four, add zero, of course, also blocks are three, but is transforming one of your Ash into an Aether Ash Wing. I think it's going to be a great finisher on your combat chain. So I'll have it at C plus. Um, probably see at the rest of the colors. I think it's just filler. Uh, but yeah, the red one seems particularly good. Yeah, I mean, I think this is filler, and I think this is like a D plus. Like, I think this is pure filler. I don't think this card's good. Um, I think it's good in certain decks where you can leverage. You know, we talked about before. You know, like Romaya or something. This is kind of nice because you can get the extra point to make the on head effect relevant. But basically, right, if I create my, I turn one of my important resources in the form of Ash into an Aether Ash Ring, and then I don't get to attack with it. And then my opponent can just, you know, obviously it does take them pointing some damage at the next turn. Like that is relevant, but not getting the basically that one damage in with it straight away is like a real downside, I think. And yes, this costs zero, which is good, a good thrill in the end. I, I mean, I think the red might be like a, a C minus, um, but in most decks, I think you actually aren't going to really want this card. I, I think there's other cards you're going to want over this. Um, so yeah, I don't even think it's like necessarily a role player. I think all the time it's just going to be pure filler. Um, I think you should be careful about how many of these kinds of things you have. So I'm like on a like a D plus C minus. Mm -hmm. Next up is Embermore Cinepie. Uh This is another Phantasm attack. It costs two. And uh, we're looking at the blue here. Attacks for six, defense for three. And when Embermore Cinepie is destroyed, create an Ash token. So it has the same same text again as Phantasm, but this time cost two. doesn't have go again. Uh, and at red, attacks for eight, yellow seven, blue six. Um, this is a really good source of damage. Like this is just like you said, there's not that many poppers in this format. I actually prefer this over the Go Again one, although I think the Go Again one is a, a good way to start a chain. It's risky and there's better ways to start your you know your chain to get the, the red attack for Go Again or the red card for Go Again off your weapon. Um whereas this I think it's just like a good finisher on the end of something. So really good in like four and five card hands. Uh, I think the blue is really valuable uh because it's a good resource card but also a good threat when you draw multiple resource cards. I think even the yellow is pretty good, red's really good um just pure damage i think this is like a c plus for me I, I i like this card um yeah yeah c plus for me as well for the exact reasons and i'm sort of mulling between this idea of playing a few quite a few of these in a deck and just seeing if that's something like a, opponents can deal with because two for eight is going to grind your opponent out really quickly um yeah. especially if yeah. you're doing but something before it like that's a lot that's the kind of thought i had i just couldn't really pick up many of them at, at the table i was at uh but also there's only this there's only two center pies, so it's not like yeah, there's that much to pick up. Yeah, it could be Yeah, like it could be really good. That that's just like I don't know. I feel like I just have to get boots on the ground and start playing this uh this deck mm -hmm. that I'm thinking about, particularly in draft. But uh yeah, if they have if they have two poppers in the deck, which is probably a lot, but let's say one on average, like two for eight is gonna be brutal. Um and so is one for five. So yeah, yeah. we'll have to see. All right, so next up we have <clears throat> Sweeping Blow. This is Draconic Illusionist attack action. We're looking at the common. Um, we're looking at the red one here as well. Attacks for three, blocks for three, cost one. It says when you attack with Sweeping Blow, create an Ash token, go again. Um, yeah, I think this is C to C plus, like good filler. Like I think this is probably the red attack that you, you want to be starting off with pretty often. Yeah, I mean, there's a card we're going to get to that I think is the best of yeah. these kind of effects <laughs> to, start a, <laughs> to start a turn. But I think this is like along the lines of Billy Mirage, solid C. Prefer the red, of course, because that's that's where you want to be. But I think the others are, are playable, but like maybe C, C minuses. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, there break the embers. Yeah. This is <laughs> this is a draconic illusionist. 
non-attack action. Uh, these have all been commons that we've talked about since the dragons. Sorry, I know we haven't been on top of the rarities. Uh, cost one, defense two, rake the embers. And we're looking at the red one here. It says create an ash token, then transform up to three ash you control into aether ash wings. Go again at yellow, you're going to transform two. At blue, transform one. Uh, this is the threat at red I want to start my, my turn with in Dromai. Um, this is going to create an ash token. This is going to let me, with all my stacked up resources of ash tokens, create more aether ash wings. Just have create go wide threats. Uh, you know, one cost for three threats on the board. Like, this is plus the ash. Like, this is really what I want. I think this is kind of like, this is the kind of card I would hedge to maybe go into Dromai. And then if I'm in Dromai, this is like one of the top cards I'm looking for. I think at red, this is like, I think this might be a B plus at red. Um, I think this might be like literally one of the best cards uh, for Draconic Illusionist. And then I think in the other colors, it's kind of like around like a high C. <coughs> Um, because of, it still does create ash and transform an ash, which is, is a good place to be, but it's it's not a red. Um, yeah. Where are you, Brennan? 100% agree. <laughs> because it's like the best thing you can do to start your combat chains. Um, a lot of people agree with that too. I, I got that sentiment from a lot of people who are playing Jermai. It's like, this is one of those cards that you, when you're opening your deck, this is kind of what you're looking for initially um, when you're building up that, yep. that archetype, especially a sealed. All right, so next we have- How many of these do you want? How many of these do you want? Like if you're building this, do you want, like, are you looking like, three four five of these like how many are you looking to have i guess they can pitch and they can also just be played right yeah so i could i think i could do five um to be honest that's probably a high end but i think i could do five five reds you, i think you'd be sitting in a good spot <laughs> yeah it only creates one ash right so you do need to otherwise yeah generate you need ash, otherwise generate it's, ash. um yeah it's good all right so next we have skittering sands this is draconic illusionist non-attack action at common um it has no attack but it has defense for two it costs zero and it says transform target ash you control into an aether ash wing it gains plus three until end of turn go again um i really like this card <laughs> specifically red so i know this is sort of you're coming to a similar issue with uh you know having a lot of the um the right to embers where you do you're going to need that ash but this is effectively zero for four and keeps you keep the permanent around right you keep the aether ash wing around so yeah i do i do like this card i would probably put it at uh at C plus, I might creep up into uh, B minus, but that sounds like a lot. I, I yeah, it's a good one for me. I think this is like a maybe a little bit of a polarizing card for me. I think in certain decks, this card is, is good. Like it's like a C plus, maybe even B minus, like you say. In certain like these kind of like dramai aggressive decks that are playing Phoenix Flames and have the cards to do it, and and trying to play rupture cards, um, even. I'm not like so sure that's the kind of deck I want to build. And I actually think that like in these Dramai decks that are a bit more patient and want to just like overwhelm the board state, this card is kind of like not the card you want. It's like literally you're paying a card to turn a resource on the board into something else. Um, and yes, you get in plus three damage out of it, but that's not really what you're looking for. And I think in those decks, we have like raked the Ember Claw and you're trying to like, you know, invoke and build these things up and use your Ash really wisely. I think this card is like a C minus even, like maybe even a D. So this card's like kind of polarizing for me and is really going to depend on the build you have. I think if I was just given overall grade, I'll I'll just give it a C minus, I think. Mm. I, I think it's I think it's worse than like the billowings and stuff like that, uh, which is like three damage but does cost one. The good thing about this right is that it doesn't cost. So you do want you do potentially want some cards that don't cost that you can start the chain and then pitch to play something else to generate uh generate an ash in a turn, um, and also turn on the attack that you're coming with. So yeah. It's fine uh next up Brandon, we've got sand cover this is a draconic illusionist instant cost zero we're looking at the red one here and it says target ash control gains ward four until end of turn just to recap ward says if your hero would be dealt damage prevent x of that damage and destroy this so uh for this it's four yellows three blues two um i think the flexibility and the sort of like 
versus like this card has flexibility but like the premium nature and the flexibility of your actual ash means that i think this is maybe not as good as i'd hoped it would be like i thought this would be quite a strong card into most matchups whereas it seems kind of situationally good against icelander and like rupture turns um it's still a zero for four at red so it's like kind of average d react but it does use your ash and i think yeah. that's kind of some some premium value so i think this card is like i think it's like a c minus cyborg c plus versus icelander probably that's what i have as well <laughs> the ash is not uh not guaranteed right and that's like a resource you're going to be wanting to using for plenty of things if you're yeah. playing jamai so i mean this card literally can be dead i think that if this card is dead for you it probably should be a wake-up call that you maybe shouldn't have a new deck but uh yeah i don't know like it just looks like a d-react that's a bit contentional obviously you're hitting arcane damage as well but like and i have something like oasis or spite in the set i'm good you know i'm chilling on that on that arcane damage like i don't need this sort of conditional maybe just a completely dead card that's coming up my arsenal because i can't generate ash or something silly like that yeah so it's a c minus for me yeah i i agree i think like the the red one's the only good one to be honest because it least it can pitch and, and trigger dry my yeah, and I said C minus, but to be fair, I'm probably not playing this just like by default. It's probably going to be a no. I think it's a, I think it might actually be D. Yeah, I think, I think, it, I think plus, it's a D, and it's like a sideboard. All right, so next up, <clears throat> we're heading into the Illusionist cards. So we have the Silent Stilettos. This is an Illusion Illusionist equipment. Legs at common uh, has zero defense. It says when you when whenever an attacking ally you control dies or an attack action card you control is destroyed by Phantasm, you pay, may play three resources. If you do destroy Silent Stilettos and gain one action point. And it has okay barrier one um yeah so is this effect as much as sandiki nah but it's really good so i think it's a i think it's an a minus like i think you want these boots if you're playing if you're playing illusionist and because you're going one of i think even if you're playing the like the senpai deck where you're having a lot of phantasms that are over you know a bit pushed and you just a uh, expecting your opponents to have like less than one or two poppers it's good it's okay in that deck and then if, if you're going the opposite of that and you're grinding out with the dragons it's still it's still decent so i think it's an a minus for me yeah i think you can reasonably expect your opponent to have one popper the issue i ran into with this card is that three resources is a, a lot, ton yeah. with the centipies right so actually i don't think it has much value with those it's more around the dragons um this is like a b plus for me i, I don't think it's in the realm of uh the silken form or um the sash but i think it's i think it's good like all these equipment are good it has arcane barrier has utility and then i just think that activated ability is like not as good as the or the triggered ability as it were it's not as good as some of the activated abilities we have in the set with the others so there's like a b b plus me i actually think it's like in the weaker end of the equipment um just because of the resource constraint but in certain decks it's going to be like super important and you are going to want this like the leg slot has pretty minimal competition and just having this kind of backup for when because you could just get your whole turn blown out right like you flip an invocation with this big five card hand you're trying to come in with and then they pop the first attack um like that this is going to be super relevant so yeah it is still really good i'm gonna, I'm gonna go big boss mm -hmm. next up we've got transmogrify um which is a illusionist action uh we're looking at the red one here it costs one and uh, says the next action card you play this turn is illusionist has eight base attack and it gains phantasm it keeps its other card types go again defensive two this is at rare um i like this as a way to turn a zero cost like blue or yellow into better threats uh and, and it might be like one of the best resource cards at blue mm -hmm. for being able to do that because blue, you, yeah. yeah uh but otherwise i'm 
kind of whatever on it, <laughs> to be honest. And maybe it's good with something like Dust Up. You get to keep the, you know, you get the base attack, you get to keep the on-hit effects. That's quite relevant. Maybe like Lava Burst because it gets the base attack plus the buff damage or Burn Away or whatever. Could be 6 to 10 damage, but you're playing 6 to 10 damage like 3 cards. Uh, yeah, I think this is like a C- minus to maybe a C at blue. Mm, I really like this card, but uh, I think it might be a trap running it and just kind of depending on it. Running too many of them, potentially, like drafting it too highly. The blue one where you turn, you turn effectively, you have to look at it like this. You're going to use this card to turn your blue resource cards when you draw that sort of heavy heavy blue hand or something like that into a six attack base. Um, that costs you three. That costs you three. Yeah, it's, it's expensive. It's so much. Yeah, but it's, it's expensive, but it's better than hitting for one or even sometimes even four if that like one of those blues have been replaced by a red or something like that. So I think it's serviceable, but I think playing a lot of them is a trap. And I think people will draft this much too highly. I think this is going to be like the best card in the set for a lot of people. Um, and I don't think it is that. I'm going to put it at C because I think it is flexible blue. I, I actually do. Um, and I probably would play the red. Uh, again, it's hard for me to get like the pulse on how exactly good these cards are because I haven't played that that, uh, that deck yet. I haven't played the deck with a bunch of Phantasm that sort of overcommits to its attacks and then maybe gets blown out. It's like how impactful is that and how game losing is it? So yeah, it's going to be a C uh, for me. I don't know. Prove, I'm going to go down to even like a D plus for anything but blue and C minus for blue. Prove me wrong. I don't know. This card to me doesn't doesn't seem very good. And I was not impressed with it whenever I saw it over the weekend. But mm -hmm. we'll see. All right. So heading into Phi, going to read the hero first. So Draconic Ninja, hero. Look at the young one. Four intellect, 20 health. Um, it says you may start the game with a Phoenix Flame in your graveyard, which you should. <laughs> and then it says once per turn, instant three resources return a Phoenix Flame from your graveyard to your hand. Stability costs one less for each Draconic Chain Link you control. Um, I think that this deck is probably the easiest deck to build and sealed and probably the easiest deck to have success with. So we did talk about this in our previous podcast, but this was the hero that I was looking at, mostly because it's a linear aggressive deck and it's going to punish people that try to get cute with their seal pulls. <laughs> it's uh, just a lot to deal with. Um, it feels like it can utilize a lot of the a lot of cards, right? Like a lot of the generic cards, the draconic cards, um, and of course it's class cards. So I think that it's making a lot of those tools effective right where if you look at something like jeremiah some of them it's like uh oh, it might not be very good in jeremiah like it seems like most things are pretty decent in phi um because you give it an end combat chance with them so phi fundamentally powerful probably the deck to beat and sealed we'll see how it does in draft but um yeah good hero interesting i actually think isolate that might be the deck to beat and sealed once we sort of get to some of these cards but um I, like i think my iceland deck was better than my phi deck uh when i went back and looked at my sealed pool and I think I would need some time just playing and understanding the play patterns of Icelander. I think it's a bit more difficult to maybe play. The only thing I want to say about Fire is a couple of notes that I have is just from like the, the world premiere and, and sort of the drafts that I've witnessed and been involved with is the second um, flame, once you get that in, like it's all, it's usually correct to like get back of the flame and rather than play like Arsenal and set up five cut hands, uh, once you get to two flames, that's quite important to remember. And just kind of lastly, I think is like this, Fire can defend better than I thought. Like Fire can, you can actually play kind of a mid range and and being def, you know defending and preventing some damage rather than just a pure race in the mirror when you're sort of behind on tempo is like generally correct. I think so. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the weapon, Searing Ember Blade. This is a Draconic Ninja Weapon Sword Two Hander. Tax for three and says once per turn action, two resources attack. If you control two or more Draconic Chain Links, Searing Ember Blade has go again. I was super impressed with this yes. weapon just overall. Just yeah, it's it's really good. I thought like. 
the weapon was like going to be, oh, it's like costing me resources. Like I don't want to be playing that many blues in my fire deck. Attacks for Actually, free, you know, break point, et cetera, et cetera. Like there, yeah. there's a lot of things that made it look potentially underwhelming. But um, yeah, so this counts itself. So control two or more draconic chain, chain links. links. Yep. So that's really important. And it's also going to contribute to Fi's ability. So yeah, I mean, I think that it's, <laughs> well, you don't have a choice to play it or not, but it's very good. <laughs> and I think that it's one of those things actually helping carry Fi, uh, to be honest. You don't have to play it. You yeah, true. Weapon. You do I not have to play it. it. But uh, yeah, Searing Ember Blade overperformed, and it's helping you satisfy all that. A lot of those rupture cards. It's helping you, um, you know, do a lot, <laughs> and it only yep. costs two. But this is why you're playing a lot of blues, or you're playing a decent amount of blues, more than you would if I didn't have this weapon. Yep. Yeah. All right. First card, Brendan. Heat wave. <laughs> First card is heat waves. Draconic ninja equipment arms. Um, it's a common defense for zero. It says instant destroy heat wave. Phoenix flames. You control gain. Plus one until end of turn. It's important to note that's an instant. And it has quell one. So for me, this is a, this is a B plus or yeah, B plus. Because it's it's not competing with a lot. You want it if you're playing ninja, but it doesn't it doesn't feel ridiculous. It does feel ridiculous when you have two Phoenix Flames and you know you're coming for three. four. Yep. Or three. Yeah. Three, I haven't done that one yet, but obviously three would be very good. If you can do that consistently, this card is going to be a S plus or something like that. It's very good. But overall, this this felt just decent to me, um, its ability, but obviously the quell is good. The plus one being an instant speed is also very good. Um, and yeah, just uh, overall great equipment to have in Ninja. Yeah, I think it's, I agree. B plus quell is really strong. I think this is kind of slightly above par on the uh, on the uh, stilettos. This is kind of like a little mini stubby hammer sometimes. And um, yeah, quite, quite strong. So B+. Moving on, we've got Engulfing Flame Wave. Um, this is a two cost at rare Draconic Ninja attack action. Defense two. We're looking at the red one here, which attacks for five. And it says, when Engulfing Flame Wave hits, reveal the top card of your deck. If it's an action card, with cost less than the number of Draconic Chainlings you control, banish it. You may play it this turn. So you may play that card this turn. Um, most of the time, this is just basically saying two resources, five, go again, and on hit, draw a card. Uh, that's kind of nuts. I, I think this card is very, very good. I think the red is good. I think the yellow is still good. I think the blue is a good resource card, although only defense for two. This is like B plus, maybe A minus for me. I think this card is really, really strong. Yep. It's a B plus. It's so good. Especially when you have a lot of zero costs in your deck. Like you can play this without any resources up. It's just bonkers. Um, I love this card. <laughs> I particularly like it at yellow because it's a two for four. Two is expensive, but this is like, again, fi, the fine deck. And I think a big trap if you're heading into a, an event this weekend, it's going to be not playing enough blues or enough resource cards in your fine deck because you want to be doing yeah. stuff like this. You want to be swinging the weapon. You want to be playing engulfing flame wave. Yeah, B plus. The only downside I have is like with yellow is I don't really like yellows in fi. Uh, just because I usually want like three resources every turn to weapon plus one cost attack. And like weapon, I always want to factor in. And if I'm pitching off yellow, it's probably like zero cost plus two costs. But it's really hard to like need mess with you that third resource to get back like uh, uh, Phoenix Flame and stuff. So it's like kind of tough. The yellows, I want to play like this kind of, um, yeah, I want to play like the lowest amount of yellows. Then I want like a couple of yellows that have relevant effects, like, like an engulfing flame yeah. wave though. Uh, like seven, eight-ish blues, maybe nine in some builds, and then and then reds. So it's um it's interesting, but yeah, this this card is really good. All right, so next up we have mounting anger. This is draconic ninja attack action at rare. Um, the red one 
Attacks for four, blocks for two. It costs one. It says when mounting in your hits, you may banish an attack action card from your hand with cost less than the number of your kind of chain links you control. Um, if you do, it gains plus one, and you may play it this turn. So I had, and it has go again. I had one of these cards. Um, you pretty much, like, it's okay, right? Because, like, you can hit with it on as the first attack on the chain link, and you can banish a zero cost. It can be the zero cost that only gets go again if you've played two, uh, two or what, you know, two or less chain links or something like that. Um, and, yeah, it's it's I, I like this card. I will play it. I will draft it. Uh, I'm probably just going for the red, to be honest. Um, the blue might be okay as well, just because it's it's sort of an on hit. Um, but yeah, for me, this is just going to be a it's probably a C plus. Might be a B minus. Yep, C plus for me. I agree with everything you said. It's solid. It starts chains as well, which is really nice. Like I said earlier, chain starters are like premium. They're like kind of starters and welcome to Wraith. You do want these. Um, and this one costs one. One's a good cost number. Uh, and it comes in for four at red and has an effect that can turn something else into a breakpoint, which is, is really cool. So, yeah, on board, C+. Uh, next up, we have Rise from the Ashes. This is a Draconic Ninja, non-attack action at rear, cost zero, defense for two. And we're looking at the red one here. It says, the next Draconic or Ninja attack action card you play this turn gains plus three attack. You may return a Phoenix Flame from your graveyard to your hand. Go again. Uh, this card's really solid. This card gets you back a Phoenix Flame. Um, it gets a lot better once you have two Phoenix Flames in your graveyard, yep. uh, I think. But, um, you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to hit the, the... Basically, the downside of this card is it's not a, a Draconic Chain Link. Yep. It's not going to help you with Draconic Chain Link. So I think it's the downside. So I think this is staple. Um, I think, like, I compare this to something like Flamecaller in terms of, like, what it does. You know, like, I know that's from um, from your deck, so maybe it's more in line with something from the graveyard, right? Uh, so I, I think with that in mind, this is like a... I think it read it's maybe like a B minus C plus, and then it's like a C C plus for like the blue and the yellow for me. Yes, I'd probably go B minus in this. I could potentially go B on the red. The red is very powerful, um, but yeah, it doesn't satisfy the chain link. So next we have the break points is good. I just want to say sorry. The, the break points are good. Like this, the the thing I was impressed with this card because I was like, ah, oh, this card's fine, and it, it was mostly fine. But then when it turned like a break point higher, like I played it on a um on the what's the first card that were the engulfing flame wave. It came in for eight. Uh, yeah, that was kind of crushing. Yeah, for sure. So next we have Brand with Cinderclaw. It's a Draconic Ninja attack action um, at common, and it attacks for three, defense for two, and we're looking at the red one. Uh, it says, your next attack, this combat chain, is Draconic in addition to its other card types. Go again. So the main reason I like this card is because it's unconditional go again. I have found that the Draconic sort of clause here is just... Uh, it just is it's upside when it's upside and when it's not upside this car is still fine i still play it so for me this is just a c and i guess if we're looking at true role players maybe it's a c plus because it's a zero that just inherently has go again and that's kind of what i want to be doing often in my five decks um but yeah so c to c plus for me yeah uh, i think it's a c for me the ability was basically never relevant i think it was relevant on a yellow scarf or a scarf for me once like it I thought it was going to have more impact than it, it did, but just you don't have natural go again on all of those cards. So um, actually, that's not true. I had double strike in my deck and it was relevant with double strike. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but otherwise, it was kind of whatever. So, but yeah, zero for zero for zero cost chain starter is really good, um, and zero cost in general for draconic ninjas. So uh, it's a C for me. Um, next up, we have Cinderskin Devotion. This is a draconic ninja attack at common, cost one, defense for three, and at red, which we're looking at, attacks for four. And it says if you control two or more draconic chain links. Cinderskin Devotion has go again. Um, I want to. I think you need to be careful with how many of these kind of effects you have yeah. because 
you know, you need chain starters. Like it's a bit of a balance. But the nice thing is these defend for three, so they have utility. Um, and I, I want some of that. So you want to balance some of these defend threes, but they require chain links. But they're really good in like three, four, five card hands. Um, all that said, I think this is probably one of the weaker of these effects that require you to have multiple like already on chain links because your weapon's already doing that job. I think it's like a C minus for me, maybe a C at red. Yep, that's exactly where I have it as well. I think that a big trap if you're playing fine sealed is going to be to look at your five pool and be like, wow, I have a lot of reds. Because <laughs> that's not it. If you have a five deck that doesn't have unconditional right. Gorgon, you are going to feel pain. It is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Very true. So here we go. We got Dust Runner Outlaws, Draconic Ninja Attack Action. Um, it attacks for four, blocks for two. It's a common. Uh, it costs one, and it says go again. So a little leg tap here. Um, I really like these cards. <laughs> um it could be it could be maybe a bit incorrect but i rate these pretty highly i rate these uh there's another one that's like a head jab at a c plus just because the unconditional gogan i really want these in my deck this is what i would like to be starting my chain links with often um that being said it's not incredible so it's a it's probably a c plus for me i think i draft the the red the red ones by the way the red ones i draft pretty highly so i think the red's a c plus for me on dust runner outlaw I, I like all of them. Uh, I'm an C, but I'm a C for all of them. I think they're just solid. They're good role players that you want. You need some cards that create chain links and have natural go again. Chain link starters, like we say, it does defend for two. Uh, there's some cost there, so yeah, it's just a just a solid C for me. Next up, we have Lava Vein Loyalty. Uh, this is a zero cost Draconic Ninja attack action. Defends for three at red attacks for three. Um, it says if you control two or more Draconic chain links, Lava Vein Loyalty has go again. So this is in line with the um, the previous one we talked about, the Cinderskin Devotion. I, I think for me this is slightly better because it's zero cost, yes. so it allows me for like a because I want this on like when I'm like particularly playing Rupture decks, you know, two costs for my weapon, one cost for my Rupture card, or one cost for something like a you know like we just talked about a, a drag a Dust Run Outlaw. So uh, this is a bit above the other one. I give this like a solid C, but yeah. um, mostly at red to be honest. I'm not really keen on the other colors, although they defend for three, mm -hmm. so maybe blue's okay for rupture turns, right? Yeah, I play the other colors of this one to be honest, because for me, Love and Loyalty is like the quintessential role player. It's like that card that I open. It blocks for three. It's going in my deck. I need to be, like if I'm playing fine, I'm already making sure I have enough unconditional go again. And if I do, yeah. this card is fitting in and it's fine. So this card for me, it's a C, but it, it, this is the filler card of a uh, five for me. Yeah, that's solid. All right, so next up here we have Rebellious Rush. This is a chronic, Draconic Ninja attack action at common. The red one attacks for five, blocks for two, costs two, and says go again. So I know I said I liked like the cycle, but the two cost is the weakest one for me. Playing a two cost to start my chain is generally not what I'm wanting to be doing. Um, we already seen my aversion to two cost chain enders, so two, two cost chain starters are not going to do it for me. So for me, this is a this is a C. It's still role play. It's like a role player enough because it's inherent go again. Um, but I, I, yeah, I'm not picking these highly. Yeah, I mean, this is a C minus for me. I think you're bang on with like my, I want my two cost to be doing a ton of work, like Flame Wave or uh, Red Hot. And this one is something that's not really doing that. Go again is is not that hard to come by, right? And it's not as premium as it has been in other sets. And that's kind of why I was a bit down on something like Scar for Scar. Um, while this is unconditional, does defend two cost two. Uh, the best thing about this card, I think, is the art, to be honest. I love the art on this card. Um, but yeah, it's like a C-minus for me, and I think you got to be careful about how many of these two kind of two costs you have. Uh, next up, we've got Rising Resentment. This is a Draconic Ninja attack action uh, at common, cost zero, and defense for two, and it red attacks for three. And says, when Rising Resentment hits, you may banish an attack action card from your hand with cost less than the number of Draconic chain links you control. If you do, it costs one less to play, and you may play it 
this turn. So uh, this one's interesting. So at like at basically at a, a chain link one, which is you know often you want these like starters, mm -hmm. it, it does nothing really the on hit effect. But at chain link two, three, obviously it now starts to threaten you to basically have this real resource efficiency. At worst, this is a head jab, right? Which is really a draconic head jab, which is really good and where you want to be. So for me, this is like above the average kind of role player. This is like a C plus. This card is, is going to help do some work either as a starter or middle of the chain to threaten the ability to like use your hand more resource efficiently. I agree. Um, yeah, I played this card and its effect was relevant quite a few times. So C plus for me yeah. as well. Next, speaking of head jab, we have Ronin Renegade. <laughs> this is a draconic ninja at attack action at common. It attacks for three at red and defense for two. And it says go again. So this is just straight up... Um, Straight up head jab. Uh, I like it as a role player. I think the real, really the only one that stands that stands apart for me is like the one that's a leg tap at red. I like that one a lot. Uh, but this the blue is very the blue is quite good. Like just like head jab blues, great resource card. I think this is a great great resource card as well. The coming in for two or coming in for three, a little bit less exciting. So I think blue Ronin Brigade is. I really like it. But other than that, it's just going to be a C for me. Interesting. Yeah, it's like. The the blue head jab's good because of Kadachi's right and Welcome to Wraith, but this doesn't really have that. I I really like the zero cost chain link starters. So we talked before about you know you just said you like um Dust Runner or you know the, the kind of stuff, and then you were talking about like Lava Burst. For me, I much prefer I think like the one cost um Rupture cards, but the zero cost Go Again cards. So I'm looking for these kind of cards. But yeah, it's a solid it's a solid C for me. Um, red, I probably prefer of them, but yeah, like you say, blue also good good way to start the chain in a, a pinch if you need to and then be a resource card if needed so a really good sort of like six through nine kind of blue cards as well being these kind of just unconditional go again um next up we've got soaring strike this is a one cost draconic ninja attack action at common defense two at red attacks of four and says when soaring strike hits you may banish an attack action card from your hand with cost less than the number of draconic chain links you control we've seen that ability quite a bit and if you do it gains go again and you may play it this turn um i think this card's fine I think it's like again. This is <coughs> it's effectively this a league is tap. League, yeah, it's league tap plus, right? But defense, you know, and defense for two. So it's um, it's effectively league tap with some sort of upside. But the go again, I, I again, I don't think it's that relevant. The, one of the cool things this can do is potentially that you double rupture in a turn, which is quite cool. So you can banish a rupture card, give it go again, um, and then also play another rupture card from your hand. But that's really niche, right? I, I think it's just like a solid C. Um, I think you're going to want these cards just like you do with Dust Runner. These unconditional go again cards and this one has some upside yeah it's a c plus for me just because i really like one for four go again to start it off um but that's about it i just think that 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 is fundamentally powerful and something i want to be doing in fi but uh yeah the ability yeah like i had a few of these in my in my list and the ability was not not relevant ever yeah um, yeah i mean it's it's slightly better than dust runner right mm -hmm, definitely yeah so we're coming into the armor here just the ninja armor we have tide flippers this is ninja equipment legs at common defense for zero it says attack reaction destroy tide flippers target attack action with with two or less base attack gains go again arcane barrier one so yeah i think this is an a um it's just good <laughs> you want the arcane barrier anyway the attack reaction is non-zero and can help you out when you're struggling for go again which those are really your those are your off turns i feel like in file lot. it's like you draw a hand you're like wow there's no unconditional go again i can't do anything because <laughs> you really want to get that first whatever that first thing is on the chain you want it needs to have sort of unconditional go again because then your sword gets it then after the sword you can usually get the five uh phoenix flame out of the graveyard etc etc so i think tide flippers is very very good and i want it in all of my ninja decks so it's going to be an a for me 
Oh, I'm glad we're finally going to disagree on something in Ninja because we've been mostly agreeing on stuff. I think this is like one of the worst equipments in the set. Um, I think Arcane Barrier is the most relevant text on this, and that's super relevant into Icelander. I think the attack reaction is almost close to being irrelevant, I think. Um, there's very few attacks that don't already have natural natural go again that cost, that have um, with base yeah, attack nice. two or less, not cost, base attack two or less that you're going to be playing in your deck. I had this in my deck and I had the Quell Legs as well. I played the first two rounds of this tie flippers and was like, oh, they, I had like Burn Away and something else. I was like, I have like two targets for this. It's real bad. Um, swapped it out. And then I was like watching my friend play Fire and Draft and like hear this as well. And then we were talking about like this versus the Quell and just how much better the Quell is. It's just, yeah, I, I think this is one of the just, it's still equipment. It's still good. It still has really, like, it still does have a relevant ability. It's not, it's not close to zero like i said it is relevant and you can build around it to make sure that you you have some blue resources that you can tie flippers if you need to i can very obviously relevant but i don't think this compares to heat wave i don't think this compares to stilettos i definitely don't think this is like sash is an a for me i think it's like a b minus for me i don't i i would take quell legs over this i think almost every day of the week even when i'm already in in uh, five yeah so i definitely wouldn't but i guess it's contextual on your deck right if your deck has less unconditional go again and you are going to get have a higher potential to get stuck with those hands just do nothing because i think those hands are like very game because you've got all these bad lava bursts in your deck though all right um like this card is very good it converts it converts like a hand where you're you're basically gonna you could potentially be doing nothing and might even lose the game as a result into actually being able to play the game because you're, you're gonna be able to swing your sword after and then play a relevant threat uh, just going like one for four on your turn is often not very good. Um, if yeah. you did have something of that go against, so this is kind of bailing you out. So I like that. It does feel, it feels like a bailout, right? Like I feel like I. Can that's convert. kind of my point. Is I don't think it is. I don't think there's that many targets for it. That's kind of why I don't think it's a bailout. I think it's kind of like what is it actually bailing you out on the cards you're actually gonna have in your deck? Like lava burst. Yeah, I, I think lava burst is fine. I get it. That that's one target. But what else are you targeting? Burn away? Like, oh what? no, definitely not lot. No, so you're thinking about all the reds. This is like you draw a hand, it doesn't have unconditional go again, um, which we haven't got to talk about in this card yet. And you just have like a couple blues, right? And so now you're taking your like whatever that loyalty is card, the one that takes you two chain link or more to get go again. Lava vein loyalty. Maybe you have you have like the yellow or the blue in hand. You play that as your first combat chain. You activate these. You now have unlocked your weapon. You attack with your weapon. Then you have locked mm -hmm. five. You attack with the Phoenix Flame. And then maybe end with like a one for four or a zero or something like that, right? So just yeah, bailing yeah. you out of a turn that does absolutely nothing because you can't get go again. I mean, you can defend with your cards though. True. But... Like, I, I get the bailout sort of... I guess mechanic of this card, but I, I think that's kind of so so. Like I, I actually don't think it's as relevant as you think it is, and it, it definitely hasn't been relevant so far. What I've seen, I, but I do agree that it, it will be relevant at some points. But I think that that it's not going to be relevant in every game. It's a one time use. I definitely don't think it's up there. Like you're you're saying this card is in line with Sash, right? Like that is that's pretty huge. Mm. Than so I'd rather I'd rather have Sash, of course, but. It doesn't yeah. like in Ninja. I, I don't think it's competing with the Quell Legs unless you have a egregiously good deck, <laughs> like egregiously. Um, yeah, I do like blocking the fire. Yeah. Do you think this is so? This is better than Heat Wave. Better than. Uh um, yeah, I do think. That, I probably yeah. I think I, I think this is better than Heat Wave. Stilettos. I don't know. I haven't been able to experience that side too much. Cool. We'll see. Big. We've got that's probably our biggest description on grade so far. I think B minus versus an A, but we'll we'll see um next up we've got rapid reflex this is the ninja attack reaction cost one defense for three at rear and it says target attack action uh with cost zero gains plus two uh, that's the yellow version at red it's plus three and at blue it's plus one um 
I think going wide in this format is much better because of obviously Draconic Chain Links and what Fire's trying to do. Uh, but you do have some relevant on-hit effects, and this is going to help you get those through, um, whether it be some of the Rupture cards, you know, Rising Resentment, whether it's going to be the Flame Wave, some of these on-hit effects we just saw, um, and Golfing Flame Wave. So I, I think this is like a build around C+. Uh, but this card, you know, it's still defensive three, which is good. But in, in some decks, I think this is kind of going to be so-so. I like the blue. I just like the fact that you can... It's a resource card. So one cost that can push stuff over a defense for three. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of so-so on this card. Yeah, did you say you were playing this on Golfing Flame Wave? Oh, yeah, I'm not. A cost has got no, zero. Yeah, yeah this, Dude, this card, card sucks, bro. Oh, yeah, okay. This card is terrible. Yeah, this card is literally dog water. It's like a zero block for three at, at best, I think. And, like... I think you want to get it in blue just for that reason. But outside of that, like this card yeah. just sucks, man. Um, yeah, for me, zero cost. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty relevant because you're like, wow, ra like you're like raise the reflex to blocks for three, like pretty good. Um, but outside of that, yes, wow. I think this card is like a D minus. Yeah, I think, almost. Right. I think you're right. I think it's like a D. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe maybe spilled around sort of C in the right uh, deck with enough zero cost and stuff. But yeah, not really where you want to be. All right, All right so. Yeah, and the Icelander, I got you. Don't worry. The Elemental Wizard, the sort of third piece to our pie. So, Icelander. Elemental Wizard, young, four, uh, four intellect, 18 health, so starting at 18. Essence of Ice, you may have ice cards in your deck. And the card, or the hero text says, if it's not your turn, you may play a blue non-attack action card, uh, action cards from your arsenal as though they were an instant. Whenever you play an ice card during an opponent's turn, create a frostbite token under their control. Um, quickly is going to transfer over here into the weapon so we can get more contacts. You have Waning Moon here as a token. <laughs> um, wizard weapon, staff, two-hander. says, once per turn, instant deal uh, for two resources. Deal two arcane damage to target hero. If it is not your turn, instead deal three damage to, to them. This is very important because there's a lot of periods in here, and I don't think it's particularly well-templated. The last sentence, and this applies to the both of the previous sentences, activate this ability only if you have played a non-attack action card this turn. So this applies to both your turn and the opponent's turn. You can never activate this weapon unless you've already played an attack action. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, yep. So this deck, I think that Icelander's like quite powerful. <laughs> um, I agree. And I agree. actually easier to make work than a lot of people probably think. Uh, mm -hmm. That being said, what does it really suffer? So there's a lot of like, I know like if you run into a bunch of Oasis Respite, it can be a bit annoying. Um, like particularly for my five deck, it had like three red Oasis Respite, which was very, very good against the Icelander decks. Um, but ultimately like the arcane damage is virtually unblockable. They might have one arcane barrier. They have Quell, of course, which you have to kind of work through. And this weapon hitting for three on your opponent's turn, very, very powerful. Uh, Hayden, what do you think? Have you, have you, I think you said you hadn't had a lot of chance to play, play Icelander. The, the, the interesting part of Icelander comes to like playing cycles and like when to play the non-attack out of your arsenal and when to not, right? Because I think that you kind of particularly want to have that non, that non-attack blue cost when you're actually killing them, right? You don't want to like overextend, get them to like two or something, not have an arsenal. And then they just get the blast through the five card hand. Like I think you really lose those games. Time. Yeah. Pretty often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all about picking your spots, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about understanding how the game is going to ebb and flow. Most of the, my opponents I saw that were playing Icelander, their kind of downfall was either defending when they shouldn't or not defending when they shouldn't. <laughs> Basically, when they so defending when they shouldn't, and uh, then defending when they probably should be, um, you know, just attacking. So uh, it's <clears throat> right, right, stuff yeah. this up. Attacking when they should be defending, 
well, long pod. Um, but yeah, it's all about picking spots. And then, like you say, you have to have that final way to deal damage to activate that waning moon. Um, you've got to have that kind of in the pocket or be able to survive the next turn to maybe get through to just deal them some straight up damage from a card and understand where your points come and how best to play around cards like Oasis, how to, you know, plan to quell and things like that. So um, Icelander, I think, is the is like, I think Dramaya to me is still the most interesting, but I think Icelander is like probably the most like powerful just inherently and then like Fire is just good. Yeah, so I think in Icelander, there is the divide between good cards and bad cards feels the most noticeable to me. Like, I think there's generally cards that are just incredible in Icelander, and then there's cards that are, like, really crappy filler, <laughs> like, to be honest. Interesting. Um, and okay. being able to get, like, enough Ice Fusion cards and, like, what that looks like, what, what you should be prioritizing, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, in Icelander, I felt the biggest divide between, like, the very impactful cards and then the cards that just kind of suck. I felt that in Jermai, but, yeah, I can I can see it. Let's get into the cards anyway, Brennan, and talk about the first one, which is Sigil of Permafrost. So we're talking about elemental uh, wizard cards here to start with. So this is an elemental wizard defense reaction. Costs one. It's a rare. And at red, it defends for four. And it has ice fusion. So as an additional cost to play Sigil of Permafrost, you may reveal an ice card from your hand. If Sigil of Permafrost was fused, the next time you deal arcane damage to a hero this turn, create that many frostbite tokens under their control. So important to remember, this isn't a non-attack action, so doesn't trigger your uh, waning moon. So you need to play something else after this. But I guess the general play pattern with us to get the real full power out of it is pitcher blue, play this, maybe play like a zero cost, um, mm -hmm. you know, either ice blue that deals with damage out of your hand, then also trigger the weapon. Um, and the cool thing is, right, is that you can actually respond to the card you play. So if even if you're blue out of Arsenal deals arcane damage, you can play it and then respond with the um, with the waning moon to deal three damage first that way, so that that triggers off the sigil, the sigil permafrost. So uh, I think it's really cool. I think this card is good. I think defense reactions are, are good. I think one that costs one, so lines up well with other things you're trying to do, especially if you have a zero blue and an arsenal, or even if you don't, even if you have like a two cost, maybe you don't get to activate weapon, but you still get to deal some damage. Um, I think this is just like a really solid B. Might even be a B plus. Yeah, that's what we're going to disagree on too. So I think this card actually kind of sucks. The, uh, the the red one is okay. So like one for four defense reaction, pretty good. You can use your resources on plenty of things, um, especially in Icelanders, things like Quell, of course. But um, yeah, so the, the idyllic situation where you play this out of hand with a blue and then you play another blue out of Arsenal and then wand them is just like, kind of whack right and it's a bit high variance because it's on the it's, it's going to be the hand where you draw this right you're not going to be able to arsenal and sort of pick your spot um and at that same time you need the resources to do that this is going to have to block a relevant threat etc cetera, etc cetera. and you have to fuse it right and you have to fuse it. if you don't fuse it i think it kind of sucks um but if you do fuse it, yeah it can be a factful it can give your opponents frostbites i think the red is playable the other two i think are like particularly really bad because especially if you have like blue defense reactions that are blocking for two I think you'll find yourself dying a lot, actually, because they gum up your hand and they're not they're not efficient. Um, the yellow, maybe that's efficient enough, but I actually I really don't like this card. I like it in red. I played it in red, but I I, I know in my draft, like I actually drafted like some of the others because I thought it was really good at first glance, and uh, uh, it felt terrible. <laughs> it felt really bad. I think like talking about like usually about this kind of magical Christmas land for this card to line up. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the ceiling on it is like really high. And that's why I haven't like, that's why I've given it a B because I think it is, you know, you do have to ice fuse. You do have to blue to play out of Arsenal. But you're playing a lot of blues in these decks and you are wanting the ice cards are actively, most of them are pretty good. So, and I think the downs, like the kind of like 
ceiling on this is like, okay, I, I, I pitch a, a red card because I have too many red cards in my hand. I still get to defend for four. I agree. I don't think yellow is... I actually think yellow is the worst. I think blue is playable as a resource. Um, I think red is the one that's good. But even if you go, okay, I pitch, I play this. I then play my blue card out of Arsenal and I swing my weapon. You've spent, what, one, two, three cards for saving four damage, three damage off the weapon, plus whatever your other thing's doing. So seven to nine damage seven maybe seven eight damage or seven plus frostbite or you you play a um the one that freezes an arsenal and draws a card or whatever like i i think it's pretty reasonable and i think the the red is like actively quite good and the blue is fine yeah so i think the red is serviceable but the others are like borderline unplayable but this this the, th the reason this is, is like fusing is really <clears throat> it's not that easy as well because <clears throat> you're just like oh play ice cards in your deck right you just play your ice cards or draft your ice cards. Well, if you're playing Icelander, you're only really drafting a certain kind of ice card as well. You're not just drafting like ice cards. You know, the yellows are also just kind of trash most of the time because you know you're resource intensive and often you want you either like playing a one cost or and then you're swinging the blade. So if you have like yellows and things like that, they're pretty bad um, even as resource cards. Obviously, if the zero cost at Arsenal is fine, but we're thinking like Aether Hail is like ideal, I guess, to some extent. And then so there's like you don't have that many to pick from to get your ice cards in the first place. Place. And I think that it gets really narrow when you start drafting. You start figuring out, you're like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to really work to find like cards to fuse with here. And then, yeah, I just don't like the idea of like when I draw this, that's when it's good. And then, like, other than there, like, I can't, I can't really do anything with it. It just like doesn't really do anything in my hand. It's bad to pitch, et cetera, et cetera. And I need to have that <clears throat> like a relevant zero cost to pair with that. Cause sometimes when I'm playing Isolator, you know, I can park a few things in my arsenal. If we're getting close to the end game, yeah, I might park a three for five or something that's red. But, uh, you know, sometimes you park like a scar for a scar or something, something with just inherent go again or like a trade in, something like that. So, yeah, for me, like the red is probably a C to C plus. And then I think that the others are like getting down to like D ranges. Um, okay. I just think it's asking a bit too much. That's <laughs> fine. I, I just think the the asking too much, this was kind of my point. It's like even the, like the kind of middle ground on this card is still good. It's still quite good, actually. And then, like, the, the, the floor on it, which is you pitch a card to defend for four, is, like, obviously Defend for not four, good, you're right. But... So the red. Like, that's the red, yeah. So right. I think I'm talking about the red. I'm, yeah. I'm only talking about the red. I, I, I've already conceded. I think the yellow is probably not where you want to be, and the blue is fine. But I also think that the yellow ice cards, I think you're maybe undercalling, just in terms of the fact that weapon costs two. And, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to some of these anyway. But, yeah, I think Sigil Permafrost in red, I think, is, like, a B. And then, yeah, probably in blue is, like, a high scene yellow is probably not where you want to be probably filler all right so next we have ice eternal <clears throat> this is elemental wizard action um depends for three cost xx and it's blue <clears throat> it's a rare it says icelander specialization ice fusion so this is a you know reveal card from your hand create x frostbites under target hero's control then if ice eternal was fused deal arcane damage to that hero equal to the number of frostbites they control so I think this is like a, I think this card is a C, but a build around B potentially. When you do get this off and you do fuse it, yeah, it's effective, right? It is very resource intensive, um, but it is quite effective. Um, the good thing about this and like one of my favorite parts about this card is that it's blue, it blocks three. And if you park it in Arsenal and don't draw the fuse card, you can still fire it off and then shoot the weapon, right? You don't have to declare uh, an X cost here. So this could just be swing your weapon for three and clear your Arsenal of a card that's doing nothing. Yeah, I thought this card was like a C, but the more I've thought about it, the, the higher utility this card has, like just being a blue, like you say, that you can play on your turn or you can play on the opponent's turn, I think is really big. So I think actually most of the time you want to play this on your turn. Um, So yeah, I, I think this is like maybe a B minus, probably a C plus. I've, I've kind of like ebbed and flowed on this card as I've seen it be played and as I've thought about it more. Um, And I think it's going to 
B bounce between like a C plus and a B, depending on what your deck actually is. Mm. Next up, we've got Succumb to Winter. This is another Elemental Wizard non-attack action, uh, of course, at rear. Defends for three and costs three. And uh, we're looking at the yellow one here. It has Ice Fusion. So, of course, an additional cost reveal an Ice card from your hand. Deal four Arcane Damage at yellow to any target. So important that targets allies as well. If Succumb to Winter was fused and targets a hero, destroy a frozen card in the arsenal. If it was fused and targets a frozen ally, destroy that ally. So um, I think this card is, you know, it's three for five at red, four at yellow, three at blue. So it's an okay rate of return, right? But that ice fusion ability is, I would say, fine. I think, you know, most of the time you're going to be able to just kill allies just by targeting them with this, unless it's Necria or something or um, Ovia. And the ability to take out a, an arsenal is, is pretty good, but that requires some other setup. So I think this card gets a lot better if you have the uh the freeze card right the crown yes um otherwise it's it's a bit weaker so i think it's like a a c plus but with the right support cards like these freeze cards it's like a it might be a, a b minus maybe mm. it's probably like a c and then c plus to b minus with those cards yeah i think it's a c minus i i really don't like this card <clears throat> it's it's virtually it feels it feels basically textless especially in limited um yeah but three for five is like i guess three for five like if your deck needs reach like that's fine i guess but Whatever. every other nice though. yeah exactly like it's yeah that's the thing it's like it's also nice also just elemental so i think every version of this card except maybe the red is something i'd actively not want to put put in my deck if possible but um ultimately yeah it's filler but i think it's on the lower end of filler because when we talk about filler in in um in icelander like I want a lot of my filler cards to be ice cards. Like I want, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want fuse. So for me, C minus and probably actually borders on the D plus, but uh, that's it. All right. So it's, heading... it's, always, it's always playable, right? As a as a card that deals yeah, damage. It's playable. But I think I think I think will come down. I agree. I think it's good. A C and like a build around C plus B minus. Mm -hmm. So next up we have Aether Ice Fane. This is an elemental wizard action at common. It defends for three and it costs three as well. And the red one, um, it's an ice fusion. It says deal five arcane damage to uh, deal five arcane damage to any target. If Aether Ice Fane was fused and deals damage to a hero, they discard a card unless they pay two. So this is a B plus and actually borders on an A minus at red for me. I think this is probably one of the most powerful things you can be doing in Icelander. It's disgusting. Your opponent can't really block five. Um, almost guaranteed. They might be able to blast all of their quell or, or something like that or just really dump resources into it and prevent this, but it's effectively doing what you want it to do if you, in that situation anyway, right? Which is they're kind of discarding cards or paying two. So five, uh, three for five, like we said, that made the other card like borderline playable as to give you reach. But this is three for five with like an incredibly, incredibly um, relevant on hit, which is you're, the opponent discards a card or pays two resources. This card is amazing. I think the red is one of the highest, is probably going to be one of the highest, um, so the highest value picks for Icelander in draft. Oh, I think Brendan. Mm. I'm glad we agree. I was starting to sweat about how much we were disagreeing on some of these wizard cards. I think this is the best wizard card. It's so uh, good. It's so annoying <laughs> to play against, too. It's like, this it's card ridiculous. is disgustingly good. It also blocks for three. It's like, what the heck? It's like, you just get, yeah. you, everybody can just have their cake and eat it with Aether Ice Fane. It's so good. The, the blue, the blue can is blow good you too. out as well. Oh yeah, the blue God. can blow you out. Like, you come in with your first attack, you know, your Zero Cost Draconic to like start your chain link, and you're like, okay, like I get to play five attacks this turn, and all of a sudden they're like, Nope, you have to pay for this, and you know, like it's just, yeah, this card is really, really good. I, I agree. I think it's a minus um, at red, and then probably 
I, I think it's an A minus at blue as well, to be honest. Mm. I think even three damage is really hard to deal with, especially if you're playing it during their turn. But maybe it's like a B plus there. But yeah, the, the red, I think this is, this card is significant. It's honestly, very, it's very good. yeah, it's close for best common in the set. And that's funny because it's literally only Icelander card, but this card yeah. is like, it's, it, I feel like this set is actually, there's going to be a, like, this is a major player in this set. I think we'll remember Aether Icefane and like how powerful it was and how annoying it was to play against. Yep, yep. I think we're going to talk a bit about what uh, post the previous what we think the best commons are and rares are, etc. But yeah, this is already very much up there for me. Um, next up, we've got Brain Freeze. This is a elemental wizard action at common, cost zero, uh, and defense for three. Has Ice Fusion as an additional cost to play Brain Freeze. You may reveal an Ice card, of course. And um, it's I'm reading the red one here. So target opponent reveals the hand. If Brain Freeze was fused, put an action card with cost two or less from the hand on top of the deck. Yellow is going to be one or less. Blue is going to be zero or less. Um, I, I just think that the, the problem with this card is that disruption is, is fine and all, but the, the amount of cards you put into your deck that require ice fusion means less cards that are actually ice to ice fuse. You want those cards to be the premium, like we just talked about with the card like Aether Ice Vein and Brendan. I think you made such a good point with Succumb. You know, I was a bit more stubborn on it, but I agree the more cards you put in that aren't ice, the, the, the worse it gets for you. And this one just doesn't do what I want to be doing. I just think the disruption, like the, the previous card, right, is disruption plus damage. It advances your game plan plus disrupts the opponent. Um, I, I think this is like C minus, maybe bordering on a D for me. Yeah, this one's a hard D for me. <laughs> um, the blue, okay. the blue is playable. Like the blue is playable, but sure. it sucks. Like it playable, but it sucks. And it's like okay against something like Phi, uh, maybe Jeremiah. Yeah. But God, I hate this card. So I'm actually really this card. This card actually confuses me because it's so bad. I feel like I have to reread it a few times because I'm like, what is actually going? Like, it's asking me to do so much, especially at red and yellow when I have to play it on my own turn. And it, it's asking me to fuse. And then this effect is just, it's just kind of whack, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. Brain Freeze is, it, it's pretty close to the worst, my, my least favorite common in the entire set. All right, heading over to Ice Bind. This is Elemental Wizard action at common defense for three, cost zero. Um, looking at the red one here, it says, it has Ice Fusion, by the way. It deal 1 Arcane damage to any target. If Ice Bind was fused and deals damage to a hero, freeze a card in their arsenal until the start of your next turn. Um, yep. Yeah, so this is the kind of filler I actually really like. This card is this card is good. You know, it's a 0 for 3, which is pretty good tempo, I feel like. <clears throat> it's pretty. It's basically strictly better than the other 0 for 3 that's available in the set. It's just a wizard card. Um, it has Ice Fusion, and that fusion is very relevant. Freezing, freezing arsenal cards is powerful i think that you know blowing up arsenal cards or freezing allies this stuff is just a bit more niche but uh yeah just tempoing some of arsenal like that super powerful i like the blue i like the red um i'm not gonna be packing a ton of reds in my deck it's not a it's not a high pick red for me but as a as a resource card i'm picking this blue for sure so this is going to be a c plus for me yeah i think this is a c for me i think it's it's like like you say it's a role player it's filler in some instances uh it has relevant effects it's um the blue out of Arsenal, obviously, like, is relevant. But again, like, just the more of these you play, the less ice cards you can potentially play. That's what oh, the yeah. spots you're fighting for, if depending on what you're drafting. So, like, these are the sort of cards that I'm looking to wheel and then, like, be options for me to play. Um, the freeze, I agree, it is better than I thought, but that still requires ice fusion. So I'll uh, I'll flick it a, a solid C. Next up, we've got Polar Cap, another elemental wizard, non-attack action at common. This one costs two, defense for three, and has ice fusion as well. We're looking at the yellow one here, which says deal three arcane damage to any target. If Polar Cap was fused and deals damage to a hero, create a Frostbite token under their control. So red's going to deal four, blue's going to deal two. Um, two cost, four red. If you fuse it, you can create a Frostbite. If it hits, 
I, I think this card is fine. I think you know it doesn't compete in the realm of uh, something like the two, the one that requires them to to pay two or discard a card. Um, but you know has some relevancy to have some sort of disruption. I, I think for me this just feels like a, a C, like it's yeah. C to C minus, like it's a it's a role player at best. Yeah. So this is this is what I'm getting at when I talk about uh, about Icelander really having this divide between good cards and bad cards. Like I think that this is another. Like this card is like significantly worse than some of its other counterparts that are available at Elemental Wizard, like Elemental Wizard, right? So they're not ice cards. This card, it's more playable than some of the other ones. It's something like Brain Freeze, I think is you know, probably terrible. But like, it's like a hard C minus for me, and it really is like tipping that. It's like tipping that edge to go to a D plus because, like, I don't, I really don't want to play this card like at all. After two, you know, dealing four arcane damage, not even dealing the, you know, it's not even getting me the most single amount of arcane damage I can do. The frostbite token, yeah, it's reasonably relevant, um, but it just is so unsurprising. I would rather just have like you know ice binds in my deck, um, have aether ice binds in my deck. Uh, and maybe, you know, like an ice eternal and stuff like that. And then just have ice cards or generics or something like that. Stuff that does more. So yeah, Polar Cat for me, C minus. Um, and just, I don't, I don't want to play it. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I think I, I'm agreeing with you, like on this, this gulf between maybe cards and elemental wizard. I think once you get to ice, yeah. I think it closes, you're you know, right. the gap closes a bit because of just more utility too. But yeah. Like that's the thing. Speaking like, of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, let's get into it. <laughs> off you go all right conduit of frostburn so this is an ice wizard equipment arms it says uh <clears throat> defense for zero by the way at common instant destroy uh destroy conduit of frostburn the next card you play this turn with an effect that deals arcane damage gains when this deals arcane damage to a hero destroy a frozen card in their arsenal and has quail one um yeah so this ability is very niche Unless you have the Ice Helm, which freezes a card in Arsenal and it's effectively like a little two card combo that's a permanent. It does have to deal damage, so you need to put it on a relevant threat. But that is very good. This by itself is like a, a B to me. It's Quell. Yeah, it has Quell. That, that's why it's a B. That's why it's a B. It's like a B. Um, yeah. It could be a B plus too, be- only because it's Quell. That's it. Like the Quell is good and it combos. Um, I think that you're not freezing too many cards without that, uh, that headpiece. So yeah b yeah I, I think you know if i'm giving calling sleeves a b i'm gonna give this a b fair a enough yeah fair enough, fair so, enough. yeah I, I agree though i agree on all those things i think that the helmet's infinitely better and even still requires some setup and um outside of that it's it's pretty pretty niche like you say uh next up we've got aether hail uh which is a card i really like just for the art even but um good art, yeah. this is a one cost ice wizard action defense three and says deal four arcane damage to any target. That's it. Red, so three for yellow, two for blue. Um, I mean, I really like this card. It's ice. It can take care of heroes and allies. Uh, it's a good return on the one for four. It's blue is one for two, which seems like one of the better ice cards you can have in defense for three. I mean, I think this is like in that kind of C plus range. It's like a really solid role player that you want in your deck all the time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I totally agree with you. Like blue and blue and red are like C plus and they're, they're bordering. They're really bordering. These are. This is really good. So yeah. the thing about the blue, you know, the blue is obviously synergistic with your wand, but deals two arcane damage, which is much more significant than one because one is usually can just be getting double. Hit. Yeah, it's double one. True. Exactly. Yeah. That you know, I might have to check you on that one, but I think it might be. But your your one might just be getting hit by arcane barrier and stuff like that. Yeah. So the two is pretty significant. This is a blue card that I really like to have. Um, the red is the red's really the red's great, right? play the aether hail for red for four arcane damage then you come in for two more with your wand that's a pretty good swing turn for uh for icelander so i really like this card c plus 
could even creep up to like the B minus range, but it's a role player at the end of the day. The the thing with like the 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 one cost, and you said you know it's two cards for six damage with your wand, right? That's really good. Like that's a good return on what you're trying to do with arcane damage. But even the other thing as well is like you can stick this in your arsenal. Your arsenal doesn't just have to be blue. True. Uh, wizard cards it can be this kind of card a key okay i play my um i always forget what's the card that makes them discard unless they pay two uh it's a really good one we just talked about yeah yeah so if the ice fan right and to reveal something like this arsenal it defend with three cards next turn pitcher blue play this out of arsenal plus the um the weapon and you know what i mean like there's other things you can do like your arsenal doesn't necessarily just have to be you could even come in with a scar for a scar first and then play something to this like I think it's important to remember Arsenal doesn't you don't have to just use it for blue cards. Um, although obviously very good. So hey the hell, good card. Alright, so next up we have Frostling. This is an Ice Wizard non-attack action at common and blocks for three, costs zero. And the blue one <clears throat> deals does one arcane damage to any target. And the red one does three arcane damage to any target. So I love this card. Um but just I love it a little bit less than Aether Ice Fane. But I still really yeah. like it. Um, the cross structure, right? The yes. cross structure of one is actually works out better in your deck. Yeah, so I think you find that like zero is pretty relevant because you know obviously you don't have to. I don't know. Maybe you don't have to pitch or you have the yellow, etc. Et like it's it's good. I really like these cards. Um, and this one in particular, I'm gonna put it at C plus. Still slightly under Aether. Uh, sorry, Aether Hail. That's what it is. Um, but the the real question is like, are you playing like yellow Aether Hails and like yellow Frostlings in your deck? Probably like those are those are like infinitely better filler than a lot of the potential like elemental wizard stuff yeah. that doesn't really do anything. You want to be fusing. I feel like you really want to be fusing in this deck. So it's C plus for me. Yeah, I think it's just a C for me. I think it's it's worse than the the hail, but it's like yeah. I think the blue is maybe better than I'm giving it credit for, and same with the the red and then the yellow of this and both the hail are like just pure like kind of C minus filler. So yeah, you just got to remember out of Arsenal. <clears throat> This one and Aether Hail also give the opponent a Frostbite by triggering Isolander's ability, so that can be yep. pretty relevant. That's good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe I'm underrating the, the blue. Um, next up, we've got Ice Bolt. So this is kind of in line with what we just talked about. This is a Ice Wizard action. Defense for three. Uh, it costs two and says deal four arcane damage to any target. A yellow, five at red, blue three. So it's the it's the one up from the Aether Hail. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think... I think where I'm landing on these cards is that Aether Hail to me is better because of the cost yeah. structure with your wand when you pitch a blue, but this card is still good. Like Voltic Bolt is still good. Yeah. So like if Aether Hail was a C plus and Frostling was a C, this would be a C minus in that structure. But for me, this is going to be a C. Like I'll actually play these cards in my deck. C. Yeah. I'll play, I'll play the yellows. I'll play stuff like that because it's reasonable arcane damage and it's going to allow you to fuse. Um, I'm not super excited to play the yellows and stuff like that, but the red does deal, how it gives you a good reach, two for four, kind of just worse than Aether Ice Vein, although it is a frost, so it's allowing you to fuse. Um, yeah, C for me, uh, but the worst of the three. Yeah, you can't fill your whole deck with this. Like, you'd love to every turn make yeah. that play pattern we just talked about, right? But not always, and sometimes your arsenal needs to sit just pure damage in it, and there's times where you have to pitch two cards to be able to play it. You know, you don't always have infinite blues. You might have to pitch a red and a blue, play this plus your wand and, and that and that's fine right like there is going to be turn cycles with that and so this kind of card still has value so it's and it's a nice card you know the blue still can play out of you could quell one flip it out of your arsenal for some damage and get a frostbite like that's still a reasonable turn so yeah i think mm -hmm. it's like a c all right so next up we're heading into the ice cards we have a uh, glacial horns ice equipment head at common zero defense but it says action Action, keep that in mind, not instant. Destroy Glacial Horns, choose a hero, freeze up to one card in their arsenal, and 
one ally they control until the start of the next turn go again. Yes, card is fantastic. It's so good, especially against the more aggressive decks, just locking down like Chrono Arsenal. Obviously, you can combo it with the gloves, which I think is going to be a super premium pick and draft is to have this plus the gloves. But uh, yeah, I think outside of that, it's already an A- minus because of how much tempo it buys you. Um, I really, really like Racial Horns. Yeah, I, I think I'm coming up on this card. I'm, oh, I love Quell so much, and this card doesn't have Quell. But True. the and the action, the fact is, action not instant is is obviously irrelevant, like you say. But uh, it's not that relevant. This this effect is really strong. Um, I think, I think this is a B plus for me. But I think I could be. I think I'm close to being on you with this being an A minus. Um, but I think I need some time. So this is gonna be one I come back to next week. The, my kind of hesitation is that the games have sort of like the tempo has been really important but the games have also gone a little bit longer than i thought so like someone did this to me uh i had this happen to me twice actually during the uprising event um the world premiere and both times it kind of did nothing weirdly i think that was just a little bit unlucky for my opponent just when they did it it was like i had a rupture card set up in my arsenal and i was just kind of fine to leave it um because i had a bunch of other cards that i could do i actually had another rupture card from hand on one turn um but yeah i i think it's still good. I just think the upside on Quell is really high, so I think this is like a B plus. So let me let me make a little case against this too, and why it's why it's not inc- like there's there's uh, probably something is I think is being a bit overlooked that is, is makes it less incredible, which is that it's an action and it has go again. So what you can't do is you can't play a non-attack action like uh, Aether, Ice Vane, or something like that, and then swing your wand, and then see, based on how your opponent's playing, you're like, wow, they just took seven damage, they obviously want to do something, and then freeze their arsenal. You have to do it with basically zero information, or of course, you just have something else to have to go again. So that makes it less exciting um, to me. Nevertheless, um, the tempo the tempo buy can be, can be pretty good, but I think you're going to pretty often be able to combo this with the gloves, in which case it's, yeah, it's disgusting, right? Just blow it like a effectively Breaker. like a command card well you just blow up your opponent's arsenal basically this cost you two cards though two of your equipment so two your equipment but... yeah two your equipment so it's non-zero but yeah just blowing up their arsenal sometimes they don't even, they're not able to interact with it as well which is pretty nice so yeah very relevant all right next up we've got eisenhower with a vein uh, this is an ice action one cost uh defense for two and it said that's at rare and it says the next time you ice fuse this turn create four frostbite tokens under target hero's control go again this card has been i think one of the hardest for me to yeah. evaluate no, sorry it, it yellow it's three frostbite at blue it's two frostbite um I, I think where i've landed on this card is that i actually think it's it's, it's good it's it's quite yeah. good um and i saw this kind of firsthand like just it being played against me and was like oh, okay this card is better than i thought the the fact that um you know you do have to line it up on a turn where you can fuse means it's a it's a cost right like that is definitely a cost um, and that's something they have to weigh up, but I, I think like, I don't know. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Cause I'm, you might've played this. I'm still uh, kind of a little lost. It's also card. hard. I'm just like, I'm not a big fan to be honest. <clears throat> um, just because yeah, I just don't, I generally don't like to be playing cards like this and potentially do nothing. Additional maybe. cards. Yeah. And they can be dead. Um, build around maybe. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's like, it's fine out of Arsenal if you're actually fusing on your turn. Like obviously four frostbites is probably going to shut down their entire turn, but I, I would put this at like c minus right like i might i might okay. be playing the i might be playing the blue that's it the rest i'm 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 not playing yeah I'm, I'm period i'm not playing the yellow or the red unless i need playables uh not because it's not powerful but just because i'm actually very very sure my deck can consistently satisfy these constraints or it's mm-hmm. uh like actively a really bad card i think 
So it's just what, what I do like about this card is that it's a nice card, and I think yes, that is that really is relevant. Upside, for I, sure. I think you confuse this and you can set it up <laughs> in Arsenal. And I th- actually like the red was the one that I saw was like quite devastating. Where I was like, oh, that seems like my opponent fused it and then stuck it in Arsenal. I was like, oh, it's kind of whatever. And then I was like, I can't play that. Whatever. Then they defended with two cards, and then on their turn they just like played Unlock, it. Yeah. And yeah, like sorry, defended with one card, then played on their turn, like played an ice, played this, played an attack, ice fused, and then Arsenal with the blue ice card. And I was like, oh man, they just took my whole turn, and they're going to be able to like play on my turn plus do all this stuff. I was like, this is kind of bad, but a lot of setup. I, I think it's like a build around C plus B minus, and otherwise, I think it's like yeah, yeah. C plus. <clears throat> Could be even better than that, to be fair, because if you can do it Could consistently, be. I think it's a time lock. Like four resources. Very good. Four resources probably shuts down like most characters' turn. Um, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm go glad it's a rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm gonna go C I'm gonna go C minus. Like say assuming no synergy and shit like and stuff like that, but uh it has the potential to be it has the potential to actually be like a, a format warping like archetype in, in Icelander. Potentially. <clears throat> All right, so next up we have Arctic Incarceration. This is a ice non-attack action at common, blocks for two, cost zero. Um, looking at the blue one here, it says create a frostbite token under target hero's control. Yellow is two frostbite, red is three frostbite. So the blue one, I, I like the blue one. <clears throat> Obviously, it doesn't do damage, so it's going to give your opponent two frostbites, which is like, uh, I don't know if that's like an incredible amount of value, but uh, it fuses. It's a nice card. I like it. It's a uh, it's a C for me, um, and yeah, I think it's a great role player and uh, in an Icelander deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add to that, I agree with all of that. I think it's a solid C. The, the red against low resource decks like a Dromai can potentially buy you two cards, which could be huge. So that's the only one, but obviously that costs you your whole action and, you know, the blue at least you can play out of your arsenal. I, I think you're right. I think blue is like a C and the rest are probably like C minus Ds even. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is ice. Next up, we've got Cold Snap. This is, uh, you know, very well-known card at this point. The art's been well seen. Uh, ice action costs one, defense for two. And uh, yellow says target hero may pay two resources if they don't freeze a card in their arsenal or an ally they control until the start of the next turn. If Cold Snap is played from Arsenal, draw a card and it has go again. Um, I mean, the the blue is the standout one in terms of, yes. right, you can play this during your opponent's turn to like mess up the whole turn, freeze an Arsenal card, replace itself because it's played from Arsenal with the draw a card effect. And um, play you know, it off the chest as well, play for free. Yep. Like, this card get, is get them a frostbite. Like I'm actively, I'm actively picking this blue card very highly. I think it's super powerful. Um, the yellow and the red are actually pretty good too. Surprisingly, too. yeah. Um, because you can play them on your own turn. Uh, like obviously, I, I don't think you're like super excited to arsenal a yellow cold snap or a red, but it's it's better than arsenaling some of the other red non-attack actions. I think sometimes. I agree. Um, especially because it replaces itself, and you can often net two resources. So. Yeah, for me, I think the blue is actually a B minus, and then the rest are just Cs. Yeah, I mean, I've just got it a B minus because I think like even we talked about this before. You you need ice cards. You need good ice cards. This replaces itself. You can't always have um, blue ice cards or blue whatever cards that work with Icelander. So even like a red, right? It's like yeah, it doesn't feel that great. Like red might be like a C, but I think the yellow and and the blue are both like in the kind of like B minus C plus range that replaces itself. It you know, free, freeze cannot be underrated. Like that card is like, that ability is really strong. I think so. Yeah. Um, Cold snap has impressed me so far. Uh, where are we on to next, Brandon? We're going so, to sort of the final cards here. Wizard. Yeah. So this uh, first card here is going to be Spellfire Cloak Wizard Equipment Chest at Common Defense for zero. Has instant destroy Spellfire Cloak. Gain a resource. Activate ability only during your opponent's turn, and it has Arcane Barrier. So this, I think, this card really brings it full circle for, to me and brings me back to the 
uh, Sindiki, I think it is, or whatever that card is. The um, <laughs> gain a resource if you play the red. This card is very good. It's it's incredible. It's an A for me. This is like a quintessential A. If you're playing Icelander, you actively very much want this card. It's incredibly important in the mirror, getting a resource on your opponent's turn. Like you, we talk about having some of those like sort of clunky two-cost two attacks. Like, boom, you got this. Now you can also activate your weapon without pitching another card. I think this card is actively incredible. Um, and it just, it totally is an A for me in Wizard. I, I want it. Yeah, it's it's I agree. It's an A. It's uh so the the Syndicate right has doesn't have quell, so it's just the the flip it for a resource, whereas this has Arcane Barrier, which also has that added utility, which is really cool. So I think um in like the mirror, this card is like super premium. It's probably like an A plus, but I think overall this is an A. Like the resource, it's you know, although you can only do it instant speed and that does have some restriction. Um, the fact that you know you're actively, unless you're actively not you're playing some Icelander deck that's doing less of the the kind of on your opponent's turn thing, maybe this goes down in value. But I think in general this can be like an A A minus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Dampen. So Dampen is a Wizard action at rare, defense for three, cost two. We're looking at blue here, and it says deal two arcane damage. So yellow is three, red's four, and it says prevent the next X arcane damage that would be dealt to your hero this turn, where X is the damage dealt by Dampen. Um, I mean, I think this is just a pure sideboard card in, in blue for the mirror. Uh, in terms of like, so at red, it's two for four, defense for three, isn't ice, uh, doesn't fuse, and is like a pretty low return. Um, I don't know. Am I missing something? This card no, just sucks. kind of seems like a pure <clears throat> yeah, sideboard. It's a, it's a, yeah. I think it's a constructed card, which is interesting. That's, I mean, it's at rare because it's a cycle. Um, yeah. The blue, yeah, I guess it can be, it's playable as filler blue if you need blues. But uh, that even that effect in the mirror, I'm not sure how swingy it's going to be for you playing this really dinky wizard card that doesn't fuse cost two and only does two so i don't even know like in the mirror like i understand the use case where it's like you yeah you're kind of getting a a, a big swing on this awesome. but i don't know about the the other cost of this so it's a c minus for me <clears throat> and yeah I, I i generally don't want that card oh i think this is like a d but like a cyborg maybe okay like yeah it is a d yeah, it is a d <laughs> i mean i literally said i don't it's want it but it's a d. Best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next up we have Aether Dart. So Aether Dart is a wizard non-tech action at common that defends for three. Um, it costs zero. So looking at red here, it d- says deal three arcane damage to any target. So this is zap, but it can also hit um, dragons, basically. It's strictly better than zap, actually. <laughs> so yeah, I think this card is a C because I think it's counterpart, which is frost... Frosting. Let me just make sure real oh, quick. Frosting. Frosting. Yeah, I think that it's like strictly yeah. better. <laughs> strictly better than this card, which is funny because I agree. Yeah, it's like a consistent theme. It's all. They also have that in 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 Ninja as well, where you have like the you have the leg tap, but they use the leg tap with text, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, Aether Dart. Uh, it's a C for me. Um, but I, I like the Reds. I, I play the Reds. Yeah, I actually I think it's a C minus. I think it's just strictly worse than all of those ice it cards. Is, the fact it's not ice, but yeah, I think it's like a C minus. And I think in yellow it's like a pure filler. I don't want that card, but blue's fine. I guess can take care of the the cool thing you can do right. And don't forget this is like you can flip the blue out of Arsenal of any of these cards to target uh, an Aether Ashwing and, and force them to lose yeah. go again. Right, like that is really strong. So don't don't lose sight of that ability. Um, yes. So the blues have a lot of you know. A, a upside in those matchups but yeah best c minus for me next up we've got read the ripples this is a zero cost common wizard action aura defense for two and read the ripples says at the beginning of your end phase destroy read the ripples then opt one opt one opt one uh <laughs> separated by commas that's it red yellow is opt one opt one blue is just opt one and draw a card so after you've opted so basically you put this into play and then in the turn you're going to opt one three times two times or one time and then draw a card 
Um, so, you know, effectively putting a card in Arsenal. I mean, this is a card that turns on your weapon. This is kind of not really doing anything else and maybe setting up a good ice card or a good blue card to put into your Arsenal. Um, but I mean, this is not really personally where I want to be. I think this is quite fillery. It defends for two. I think this is like a, a C minus at best. Mm. Yeah, so I think outside, of the, I think the blue is a C minus. I think the others are like... I can't even imagine putting the red yeah, one okay, in my cool. deck. Like I can't even fathom that. Silly, you know? Yeah, like it, it just seems like it, it seems crazy. That's it. That scenario. Um, because like yeah, you're getting less variance with the extra opt one. By the way, there's com. Yeah, like Hayden said, there's commas, so it's just opt one. It's not opt four or opt three. Sorry, opt three. Yeah, I think the cards the cards bad, and even the blue is not exciting. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be a C minus and a D, just strictly filler. So next up we have Singe is a wizard non-attack action at common that defends for three. It it costs one. The red one says deal one arcane damage to target hero and up to three target allies they control. So I think this is actually like a B on the sideboard. Maybe a B minus on the sideboard. Outside of that, I'm literally playing the blue as strict strictly filler i guess it goes okay in your arsenal activate your weapon it's reasonable it's reasonable with one blue pitch to play this for one and then you know swing your weapon for three on the opponent's turn so that's serviceable outside of that i think it's strictly sideboard i i, I don't think you can play this red against like phi or the mirror and stuff like that so yeah but against your is... it's good <laughs> oh yeah of course i mean I think this is like a c minus at blue and then a d at the rest yes anything against dromai but then against dromai i think red is like yeah, B good. plus A territory. It's really good. Like it's super it's important good. for these Aether Ashwing decks, and one of the the only and best ways you can deal with like stacking Aether Ashwings. So uh, yeah, I, I think red and actually might just be like a, an A against Dromai, but otherwise I think red is a D. So pure cyborg grade on it, except for the blue, which I'll give it like a C minus. Yeah, and I and I totally Brilliant. agree. Brendan, yeah. that that's it. We've done it. We've done our uprising limited set review for all of the oh. commons and rares in the set. This set is super interesting. The the format already, the seal format, I was actually impressed by. I thought faster than I wanted it to be, but um, I really enjoyed my Uprising World premiere. We're going to talk more limited next week because we're going to be doing pre-releases this weekend. And um, I'm going to be personally trying to do a few drafts and stuff. I've got a box from the world premiere. I'm going to be trying to draft uh, all these sorts of goodies. What's your kind of, I mean, after just talking through it, any differences in opinion from playing to now we've had a conversation about some of these cards, any cards move for you or? So yeah, I drafted and I drafted Icelander, but now drilling down to the cards, I think that Icelander is going to be a really tough deck to draft because it like, there seems to be a clearly good deck and then like a lot of cards that are borderline terrible. Um, The one, the one sort of outlier here for me is potentially like Eisenhower, Weether, uh, Weeth. Weather vane, weather vane, yeah, weather vane. What am I doing? Um, yeah, just full site review, eh? Breeze right by. I didn't even notice. Um, yeah, so like that one could be really good. If like if you're con- consistent, like time walking your opponent, I guess that's good. Um, it tends to be in flesh and blood the things that are more synergistic like that, especially in like draft and sealed, um, or in limited in general. I just like they're more cute than they are consistent, and you're able to execute them. But I could be wrong. Yeah, but Icelander, yeah, there's there's good cards. It seems like there's really good cards and there's bad cards, which is really interesting. Um, and I think that like in draft, because that is the solo hero and you're really pigeonholing yourself to that really quickly, it's going to be f- really hard to fight over that class, in my opinion. Um, outside of that, I'm excited to get more. I, I hope I get to play some more Jermai. I think that class is like there's so much, or that hero, there's so much to explore. Mm-hmm. And it's really, Great. it's really interesting. Um, and then Phi is just, Phi is very fun. <laughs> very fun, very, you know, I played a more aggressive version. I did have a card called Uprising in my deck. I think Uprising is 
Um, it's not quite Channel Mount Heroic level, but I think it's close because it costs zero. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty close. Like, it's really swingy and it's actively, like, kind of unfair. <laughs> like, it's so good. Um, so, yeah, like, my deck was actually warped around that card. I, it won three of my games by itself. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I like the set like you did. It is fast. Yeah. It, it is not slow. Um, I haven't seen the second cycle yet. Will people come out with sort of an archetype that defends more yeah. and fatigues people? Or even, ju- yeah, or even just is more grindy? Probably, yeah. And I think that we'll see we'll see a lot more depth yeah. when we get there. But even for being fast, yeah. I, I tend to not like fast formats. And I really like I really like this format. I think it's really fun. So it's, it's fast, but defending is relevant, which mm-hmm. has not been the case. Like Quell really changes that. And I think that's a super cool mechanic. Whereas in Tales of Aria, I felt like defending was like an act, like you're only defending to, to basically like trade specific points of like health for tempo. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's like, it's a lot more strategic. There's a lot of advantage to it. Uh, yeah, I think this reminds me of defending more on previous sort like, of like... Welcome uh, to Wraith, Welcome right? to Wraith. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. And the defense value is on average higher, which is... I can actually get around that. This might be a good balance. But yeah, I mean, the the set of... I think one of the things I take away from our set review actually is like, we have a real... We kind of agreed on Dromai. We mostly agreed on Icelander, right? I think apart from one card. And then generics, we were like... There were some differences in opinion on generics. But then like in Fi, we had like some real differences in opinion on like the Draconic cards and where those kind of sit damage versus on-hit effects. And that's one of the things I'm excited to go back and, and revisit is like your kind of theory of the chain uh, combat chain versus my theory of the combat chain with the zero versus one costs and where those are played, you know, rupture zero cost versus uh, one cost versus uh, go against at one cost versus zero cost. So um, yeah, I think we're trying to do very similar things, but maybe at different points of the chain and we value cards differently because of it. And I think both are correct, to be honest. I think it's going to be about which which way you draft and which way you build your deck and which cards you open. So yeah, don't want to go on. We've done best bit of three hours on the Uprising limited set review, Brennan, but yeah, I can't wait to play more limited and, and talk about it more. Yeah, go crush those pre-releases. Go crush right. those pre-releases. Rounding that, just want to close out the uh, the pod, Brendan. If you do want to jump on, follow us on Twitter. We're both on Twitter at Fiendale, myself, and or Fian underscore Dale, and at Brendan APG. Uh, big thank you to all of our patrons. If you do want to join our Patreon, you'll get these all these show notes and our uh, our grades are all going to be up there when we load up this video and pod. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Arsenal Pass. Uh, we do you know, monthly sort of additional podcasts. Every time we do a deck tech, we throw up a full deck guide and cyborg guide up there. Uh, we just had a couple from this previous progress season, including a guest spot from Tyler Horsepool and um, lots of other goodies up there. Otherwise, Brendan, anything to add before we close it out? Uh, nope. People will see that I just accidentally minimized all my tabs somehow and <laughs> totally showed them like my background, which is a Arsenal Pass screensaver. Um, but yeah, I- I'm excited. And I think that it's going to be a fun pre-release this, this set has gotten me very excited in the limited format. Um, and I think they did an incredible job, and I'm excited to see how deep we can go with draft. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this road to national season. I'm looking forward to this pro tour. Agree. All right. Until next time, we'll see you in the next one.